He's supposed to be a suicide, you dumbbell. You didn't tell him to leave the gun. I don't know why I told him to leave the gun. I told, told him, exactly. him to leave the gun. Just like you what told him, kid. I don't know why he didn't. I don't know why. I told him just like you told him. You told him to do it in the front of the head, and why did he do it in the back of the head? I, I, it's I, so I, simple. The front is the front, the back is the back. He has to make it look like he done it himself. It just looks like murder. It's not supposed to be that way. You hear? I told him the front of the head. I said the front of the head, just like this, just like you told me. I, I promise you, I promise you, I swear on my children. No, 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 no. I don't swear on my children, King. And don't swear on your children. Makes you look foolish. Welcome to the rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts, and now 30 years later, we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know, the natural progression of events for millennials. You're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything. Well, we don't have any. And if you disagree, join the discussion at The Rank Podcast on Twitter or X, Threads, Instagram, and TikTok on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com or at our email address, uh, therankwithjohnandzach at protonmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at The Rank Podcast. That's patreon.com slash The Rank Podcast. And you can check out clips or full episodes on our YouTube channel, The Rank with John and Zach. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep this thing going. Miniature Schnauzer people are weird. They're, like, I've had different types of dogs and everything, but they're the ones that people will stop you on the street and say, Oh my God, a miniature Schnauzer, I have two at home. <laughs> I'm sure. Really? I'm- I'm sure other breeds of dogs that happens with, but not the ones I own. Like, we've also had a lot of miniature poodles. Nobody stops and talks about miniature poodles. Well, you know, I'll tell you, it, it happened a lot with uh, with Winston, you know, mm-hmm. because we used to take Winston everywhere, and now we don't take the dogs anywhere. So it happens a lot with our kids. They're like, oh, we have one of those, too. <laughs> <laughs> I never stop people. I just, I avoid them. I cross the other side of the street. I'm like, oh, kids, they're messy, and they jump on you. You know what's really funny is I, I I have like actively so I'll I'll wear just like random things you know like I don't care what my fucking t-shirt says right mm-hmm. I got a I got a free t-shirt at the Chicago airport once mm-hmm. at O'Hare and it just said Chicago on it mm-hmm. you know it's like sure I'll take that free shirt and I used to wear it, it was comfortable and I would get stopped all the time like oh are you from Chicago no I'm not. Fu- who wears a fucking Chicago shirt when they're from Chicago? <laughs> Maybe they thought it was like that uh, New York City shirt that John Lennon was photographed in. Like you have to actually have gotten it in Chicago. But mine was so clearly like an advertisement for whatever it was like Capital One or something, you know? Yeah. It's just like, no, it's a, I got a free fucking shirt for signing up for a credit card, you know? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, uh, there, there, I saw a... Uh, it was just a meme, I guess, but I thought it was like, you know, kind of like an onion thing or something. But it was, you know, lo- local father says, what am I not going to wear this T-shirt I got for free? Right, exactly. So that's you. <laughs> that is me, to like to a T. That's exactly what I... To a T-shirt. To a T-shirt, exactly. I wear F-shirts because I have two on the same side, or just one arm, so... <laughs> you have two arms on the same... One's a yeah. shorter arm, though. One's a one's a really short arm, but they're all you know on the same side. It's not very good for anything, but I look cool. Did you used to watch F Troop? I used to like F Troop. I saw Goof Troop. Goof Troop. What's Goof Troop? You know, Goofy and his oh. kid. Oh, I don't like that as much as F Troop. Goofy and his kid. Is. 
<laughs> Troop was a sitcom. It was about oh, it's Fitz actually. I uh, I didn't mean to bring it this way. I just thought of F Troop. It was a show I used to like. It was like roughly Civil War era soldiers stationed in the West and their uh, their their misadventures. They were a very. It was like it was like all the worst soldiers all in the same troop. You know. <laughs> that sounds great. That's uh, I remember liking it as a kid. I'm not sure it's any good anymore. And I don't think its depictions of indigenous peoples is very progressive for by today's standards. Well, that's what I was just wondering. I was just wondering, like, you know, what? How, how would you sell that show today? to modern executives? Hey, I want to do a sitcom where we take a bunch of white guys yeah. in the military during the Civil War and have them out west. Yeah. Messing with messing with engines. Messing with engines. That's pretty much what the idea was. I will say, however, that I think all of F Troop was incredibly stupid, and I think that if I'm remembering correctly, that the that the native whatever tribe they made up for that, I'm sure they did use something real. Um, they were all actually like much smarter and constantly like getting the better of them. Or everyone was just insanely silly, and it's unclear how anyone survived in this universe. <laughs> But of well, course, the but of course, I guess all I'm the, gonna have to find out about this show. No, you don't have to find out. <laughs> we, we, a, a fake kind of shirt reminded me of it. It's not. It's not essential. Um, <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm pretty sure all the all the Indians were played by you know Italian guys and makeup. So, well, speaking of animals and going to the bathroom which what you were talking about earlier i'm pretty sure my... <laughs> we were speaking of that <laughs> we were talking about that well i wanted to tell you that i'm pretty sure my cats really do hate me oh did they, like, come, did they come down and do a big doo-doo oh something? my god it was i gave me a headache <laughs> i'm like i'm on with the coo you know um... and i'm just like fuck man god damn these fucking cats it smells so bad right now yeah, they, I, I can just imagine them getting out of the litter box, like looking at you, like, then hmm. walking away all casually. They're, They're like, like, oh, you decided to leave for a week? Yep. I'll leave this for you for a week. How's that? <laughs> That's pretty much it. I, uh, and, and, by, and by the way, I'm pretty sure the cats hate me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case for everybody. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, speaking of cats hating me, um, mm -hmm. what we're going to be doing here is. We're ranking Killers of the Flower Moon, which um, of cats hated me. <laughs> it's a perfect segue. It is. Um, <laughs> have you seen the movie? Because I, I think I might have gone to the wrong one last night. Well, what we're, what we do on our rankings here is we we do some banter, opening banter, which you just heard. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> then we do like a brief summary of the movie. We do. Um, potent notables, which are just interesting facts about the making of the movie mm -hmm. uh, and other tidbits that we found out. Um, and then we do a movie overview, which is spoiler alert when we talk about the entire plot of the movie from beginning to end. And then we do the rank, which is where we rank the movie in 10 categories on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the worst, 10 being the best. Um, these are a little bit unique in that um, these are the we we are not sure which movies are going to get picked nominated for best picture um but we're doing a, a we're we're recording some of these as as best guesses and killers of the flower moon is one of them 
So let's dive in here. Today, we're, we're ranking Killers of the Flower Moon, the 2023 film starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone. The, screen, the screenplay was written by Eric Roth and Martin Scorsese, and it was adapted from the book by David Gran, and Martin Scorsese also directed it. Um, and again, we're ranking this before the announcements of the Best Picture nominees under the assumption that this will be nominated for Best Picture. So normally I'd say here what categories it was nominated in and what it won, but that won't be the case. For this one, I have no idea. We're just assuming it's going to get nominated for Best Picture. I uh, think it's going to get nominated for a couple others too, but it would be spoiling the rank to say what I think. Yeah, well, I'm pretty, I mean, same with Oppenheimer, right? I'm yeah. sure there's oh, yeah. going to be more than one nomination here. Um, the Killers of the Flower Moon focuses on the complex and intriguing relationship between Ernest and Molly Burkhart and the conniving actions of Ernest's uncle, Bill, quote-unquote, King Hale. Actually, I think that might have been his actual middle name. I'm not sure. But anyway. I, I think it might have been, too. But either way, it's he, he treated it like a title. Yes. Um, the story unfolds against the backdrop of a series of murders targeting the wealthy Osage Native Americans in 1920s Oklahoma. As the FBI investigates these heinous crimes, the film delves into the sinister plot to control the valuable oil rights on Osage land and the impact it has on the Burkhart family. I feel like that was a pretty good summary. Excellent. Um, I was actually like really proud of that one. I don't know why, but I was like writing it up. I'm like, yeah, I fucking did a good job. I knocked that out of the fucking park. You did, and um, it's a good thing you do them because I don't know where to start for such things. Sometimes I think, how would I summarize this movie? And it's almost always like movie. <laughs> well, see, my trouble is, is I'll be like, I'll start trying to summarize it, and I'll be like, and then they did this, and then they did. I'm like, no, yeah. that's not. That's, that's not a not summary. A summary. <laughs> that's the overview. Thanks. <laughs> I know you're no good at doing the uh, the or, the 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 agendas, but um, that's an overview. <laughs> right, right. I'm so bad at doing the agendas, I forgot the word agenda. <laughs> um, well, as you all know, listeners, and as we promised, we're ranking all the nominees for this year and getting them done and released before the telecast on March 10th, right? So mm -hmm. I'm excited to find out what the true best picture of the 2023 releases are um, or is was <laughs> will be something there it's um, intense i don't know which well what do you think zach what do i think is going to be the best picture oh i don't know what do you think like are you excited to find out oh what it is to have the definitive ranking i can't wait i will i will die of uh of anticipation if i don't find out soon all right well let's dive straight into it and we'll start with the potent notables as always go for it one of my children <laughs> So typically we start with the box office results results, but I am I watched this on opening night and Zach, you watched it what uh, a week later mm -hmm. Thursday the following Thursday. Um, so we're recording this after basically just one week of release. So here are the results so far. It has made $30.2 million domestically, which was a $23.3 million opening weekend. $25.6 million internationally for a worldwide cum of $55.8 million so far. Mm -hmm. um, 
And the budget on this is the largest Martin Scorsese budget ever. Wow. $200 million. Seriously? Yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah, I don't know how... I, 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 can't, I can't see a way that this makes money. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> this, this is not going to be a, a Marvel movie kind of income, like, you know, for the intake, I suppose. I mean, you know, Oppenheimer was a, a big budget movie and it made money. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. So maybe this could do it, but uh, it just doesn't seem like the type of movie where you're like, yeah, this is a big money maker. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like kind of a big gamble for Paramount and Apple. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I'm glad they were willing to do it. So. I was going to say it is a good, it's been a good year for R-rated, you know, movies making money, but uh going to have to make an awful lot of money for that. I mean, it's it's a quarter of a way to, well, not really a break <laughs> even. Because, you know, that's just the box office results. That's not how much money they actually made. Mm. My guess is it's going to need to make $400 million to break even. Yeah. So it's an eighth of the way there. Well, Maybe it'll have legs. You know, who knows? And, or uh, it's just a, you know, prestige movie. So not only is this the most expensive Martin Scorsese movie ever. It's also the most expensive biographical film ever made. Hmm. Surpassing Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Mm, he uh he commands large budgets apparently. Apparently, which cost 159 million dollars. My guess here is that so this one was with Apple and the other mm. one was with Netflix and I'm guessing he's just basically like, "Hey, you streamers want to say you have a Martin Scorsese film?" Yeah. Pony up. Yep, give me lots and lots and lots of money. Um, it's also the most expensive R-rated film ever made. Really? Yep. Beat the Matrix Resurrections, which was $190 million. Huh. So Martin Scorsese said that when he read David Grant's book, Killers of the Flower Moon, mm-hmm. he knew that he had to make it into a movie. And Scorsese spent several hours together with Chief Standing Bear to convince the Osage Nation to help with the filming. Mm-hmm. which I'm glad he did also. Yeah. Um, now the book this movie is based on was written about true events, right? Mm-hmm. A series of murders of wealthy Osage people took place in Osage County, Oklahoma in the early 1920s after big oil deposits were discovered beneath their land. Mm. After the Osage people were awarded the rights to the profits made from those depo- from those oil deposits, they prepared to receive the wealth to which they were legally entitled. Mm. A complex plot was hatched to eliminate the Osage inheritors on a one-by-one basis by any means possible. Officially, the number of victims reached at least 20, mm. but more but more could be undocumented. I mean, they, they say it could have been in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was, I thought it was interesting because in the movie, I could have swore they, they mentioned the 30s. Um, yeah, it's like, weird. Well, we'll get into that, but yeah, we'll there were uh, there were a lot of instances where there were questions about whether it was murder or the person died naturally. So, who knows? Yeah, yeah. And and with the and with the really thorough, you know, post mortems that they apparently did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Perhaps so. This thorough. so this is actually not the first motion motion picture about the Osage murders. Mm-hmm. Tragedies of the Osage Hills by James Young Deer 
mm-hmm. was released in 1926. Oh my God. That's yeah. not long after that, after it happened. Right. I was shocked when I saw that. I was like, wow. All right. There was another one in like the fifties too, mm-hmm. but this one was just like, wow. It's like a hundred years ago. Yeah. It's almost exactly. Yeah. Um, so Robert De Niro first introduced Martin Scorsese to Leonardo DiCaprio after working with him on this boy's life. Mm-hmm and being impressed by his talent. So Scorsese remembered this years later when casting Gangs of New York and thus mm-hmm. began his long collaboration with DiCaprio. Yeah, <laughs> fell in love. <laughs> like many a young lady. Yes, always young. Always young. Um, <laughs> Lily Gladstone was in the process of registering for a data analytics course and entering her credit card information when a Gmail notification alerted her to a request for a Zoom meeting with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> it has not happened to me yet, but if it does, I'll be like, stupid spam. Yeah, exactly. Now, Data analytics, here I come. <laughs> now, as this was during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, Gladstone was considering a career change due to a dry spell. According to Leonardo DiCaprio, quote, there was no reading. Marty just instinctively knew Lily was the one. Mm -hmm. There was a truthfulness in her eyes that he saw even over a computer screen. I've never known Martin Scorsese to meet somebody and then immediately afterwards have this gravitational pull and instinct to say, let's not wait another minute. A minute. Mm -hmm. Let's not wait another minute. Except Leonardo DiCaprio, maybe. No. I mean, he was a little bit concerned about him. Oh, I see. We all are. Well, you know, his daughter was like 24 at the time. So I think Mm -hmm. he was like, let's wait a couple of years. (laughs) And then my dog's getting up there in years too. Let's just wait till that happens. (laughs) Um, So DiCaprio learned to speak a bit of the Osage language for the film. So can he speak some Osage and some whatever he learned for, for, uh, Oh, that's a good point. Maybe he must, I I bet he's lost a lot of it at this point, but I I would imagine you don't have many opportunities to speak. Any indigenous language, right? Which is okay. That's like you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. But that I know it's sad. Just made me feel even worse as a white person. But um. the, there, there was an old Chris Rock bit where you know he was talking about he was talking about who has it worse between minorities, which is not something I'm going to touch. But um, he's like, you ever notice you, you know how bad Native Americans have it? You never see a Native American family just at Red Lobster, and it's like, yeah, well, really, it's, it's pretty true. So. Well, Lily Gladstone joked that he, quote, did an incredible job of doing it the way a white man would say it. Hey, he's a method actor. He decided to become white just for this. <laughs> he had an interesting look to him, this whole mm-hmm. movie, didn't he? He did. He, he had this look on his face. and Yeah. Like his lower jaw jutting out somewhat. Yeah, and then like kind of always frowning almost. Always it frowning, was... yeah. And that, I don't know how I did that. And still, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it right now. It gives your speech a different kind of flavor, doesn't it? It sure does. And uh, the character it's not always a flavor like I'm enjoying, actually. No, it's just disgusting. It made his character look like he's always trying to do complicated math in his head. Yeah, it definitely made him look stupid. Mm-hmm. Which is probably Which the point. I we'll think that's that. why he was. Yep. So here's a really fascinating thing, Leo changed the dynamic of this story Mm -hmm. so this is what happened he asked martin scorsese where is where's the heart of this story 
So it was going to have the it was the story was going to have the FBI POV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So Leo was going to be playing Jesse Plemons's character. Okay. But Leo insisted that it needed to be immersed in the Osage, mm -hmm. which is why we have the movie we have today. Because Marty agreed that the heart of the story should be Molly and Ernest. Now that is really interesting because I Isn't absolutely that fascinating. I absolutely would have set the movie from the perspective of the uh, of the you know, I don't know it wasn't FBI yet, but the BI agents, whatever they were. Right. Um, and that would have been the wrong choice. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So to continue, so De Niro also agreed with this change, mm -hmm. and he said, "quote We traditionally have done movies over the years where the good guy goes down south and saves the day. The mm -hmm. good guy goes into an any indigenous area, saves mm -hmm. the day. We know that story. We've done it." This is much more important. That that is a hundred percent correct. Right? We're gonna get into it, but yeah, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I'm I'm so excited now to do the rank with you yeah. because I think we feel very similarly. Um, so on top of that change, Leo also insisted that he play the villain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the studio didn't want that, but Leo insisted, and they budged. So they still wanted him to play the FBI guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sure I've heard budge used in that in that context before. Because usually people don't budge by which by which people mean they did not move one iota. But you're using it to mean they did in fact move, but only one iota. They right. moved a tiny bit. And well, I don't know. That's some, that's some brilliant usage there. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. But you know what that quote notable makes me think? What's that? That we may have seen. In an alternate universe, Leo plays the FBI agent and Jesse Plemons plays Ernest. That, I think, probably would have been a good movie as well. So. No shit. I want to see that movie. <laughs> kind of. I feel like, and not to take anything away from Leo, and I don't want to get yeah. into it too much, but I feel like Jesse would have been much more menacing, actually. Oh, probably. Um, but anyway, so also, apparently, Leo annoyed... Martin Scorsese and, and Robert De Niro with his quote, endless, 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 end quote, ad living. <laughs> now, now I assume you're gonna you're gonna talk about what kind of ad living he was trying to do, but I'm imagining like he's doing like uh, you know, Will Ferrell, Whose line is it anyway? Type yeah, stuff? style, yeah. like just goofiness into the plot, like but uh I hope he's that like, okay, now, that you're give me an me occupation too. that most people don't talk about and uh you know yeah exactly all <laughs> right hey, come on out here. i need a, i need a location come on yeah and the i'm just imagining all of the osage elders looking at him like really <laughs> this is well, the, martin, you're, gonna, you're gonna do a comedy routine now <laughs> well martin scorsese even said quote every now and then bob and i would look at each other and roll our eyes a little bit and we tell him you don't need that dialogue <laughs> it's funny because Leo's not a young actor anymore. You think he would have better instincts for this sort of thing, but <laughs> well, Martin Scorsese is actually kind of known for wanting his actors to uh, to ad lib. So I think that's probably where it comes from. He's like Marty. You always love my ad libs <laughs> because Wolf of Wall Street was like a whole bunch of ad libbing. Yeah, it's different though. That's a different it's feeling. a much different movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, Come on, Leo. It's like Leo, you're playing a murderous yeah. white person who is yeah. murdering yeah. indigenous people. Yeah. So maybe just <laughs> tone it down a bit, Leo. Yeah. Dial it back. Dial it back. Leo's like, okay. Well, this was the last movie of actor Larry Sellers, 
of mm-hmm. he so he was of Osage and Cherokee descent. Mm-hmm. And Larry was also an Osage language instructor. So okay. he he passed after the after it finished wrap after it wrapped. After wrap. Yep. And during a twenty during a press conference at the twenty twenty three Con Film Festival, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese said, quote, it's not a who done it, it's a who didn't do it. <laughs> Again, not to spoil the plot. Yeah, he's he's right on target there. <laughs> yeah. Also so disgusting. Yeah. So this is actually the seventh collaboration between Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio, and it'll also be the eleventh collaboration between Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Um, I am not going to attempt to name them all. So well, that's if you include the short film The Audition. Oh, well, I never so, would have gotten that. Right. So if you if you just do feature length, it's the tenth. But Okay. Fair enough. So this is also the fourth time that De Niro and DiCaprio have appeared in a film together. Mm-hmm. Short or feature. Um, but this is the first time that Scorsese, De Niro, and DiCaprio will have all collaborated together on a feature film. Yeah, I think that's incredibly fun. Yeah, isn't that neat? Um, yeah, and I, I won't mention, but you know, I definitely noticed a few parallels with former with previous Martin Scorsese movies. And it was just really cool seeing his two, I guess, great acting collaborators. If only we could have gotten Joe Pesci in here somewhere. Oh, he could have played. That would have been. A, he could have played Molly. You're right. <laughs> you know what he? You know who? Who Joe Pesci could have played? He could have played the like older fat guy that was like, "Oh yeah, you're making, you're making too much noise here, Bill. You're, you're he, exposing yourself." Whatever he said, he could have played that. And I'll tell you something. Right? Joe Pesci he is good. good. He's good when like he, ominous, but you know, not too much dialogue. He just glowers in the corner because he's got. Yeah. He's got a. A definite presence despite being kind of small well so this has nothing to do with the, i don't know if we'll end up leaving this in but um yeah. i saw i saw a bit i think it was when uh he was accepting his award for goodfellas because he won best mm-hmm. supporting actor right mm-hmm. for goodfellas well he was talking about how robert de niro taught him um how to act mm-hmm. because <laughs> he said there was a scene where you know he's stabbing this guy in the trunk. Yeah, of course. And he's doing take after take, and he's just like, he's like, oh, I loved it. I, you know, like I kept <laughs> going back and I do it again, and I, you know, and I and I, a few times I go back and I look up at Bob, and he's just like, you know, he's got this face, this expression. Yeah. And Joe Joe Pesci's like, what? And I guess Robert Niro's like, oh, you know, nothing. And Joe Pesci goes, tell me, Bob, or I'm going to stab you. You know. <laughs> And he, he's getting really into playing Tommy here. Yeah. <laughs> really method acting. And so then Robert Nero goes, I think you're stabbing him too fast. I don't think he would I don't think it would get through the ribs that quickly. <laughs> I'm not laughing because it's stupid. I'm laughing because it's so like apt and true, you know? Yeah, right? And and so he slowed it down because of that. But I just thought that was <laughs> like he's thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Like such a specific little thing. Mm-hmm. It's like that doesn't look real because it, you know, you're gonna hit ribs. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I never would have thought of that, and uh, <laughs> apparently neither did Joe Pesci. So thank God for for acting greats like Leo, like uh, I almost said Leonardo DiCaprio, like Robert <laughs> De Niro, DiCaprio, De Niro, same diff. Yeah, they're both Austrian. So, um, 
<laughs> you really, you really, you really nailed the Robert De Niro cadence, by the way. Like the the rhythm he talks at. That was really fantastic. Did I? Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. I don't even remember what I said. Damn it! I can't wait to listen <laughs> to this. It, well, don't try it because you'll ruin it. No, no, I'm not going to try it now. But I'm saying I'm looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. Um. So in 2007, when Scorsese won Best Director. Mm -hmm. He said in his speech that he hoped he would work with Leonardo DiCaprio for another 12 years. Oh, well. <laughs> Guess his wish came true. Time's running out there, though. <laughs> well, I mean, it's past that. Oh, well, he's... 2007, he to, 12 more needs, years, 2019. He needs to um, stop working with him then. He's, it's like a deal with the devil, you know? Like, he's overdue. Right, he's pay, right. the, pay the piper. So let's talk a little bit more De Niro here, because his character, his you know the real person, William Hale, mm -hmm. he was about forty-five years old when the Osage mm -hmm. murders began. Really, and, and De Niro's almost eighty. Yeah, so, so it's not the same. <laughs> you know, nope. actually, I was thinking that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but they mention later. I mean, it's a matter of historical record, right? Because so he he lives for so long, right? Yeah, he lives until nineteen, like almost the fifties. And I'm like, wait a second, how old did he live to be? <laughs> yeah. And they mentioned he died at like eighty seven. I was like, isn't De Niro like eighty? But <laughs> I just did, I didn't let it bother me after that. So no, yeah. I mean, who? Do you really think that somebody would have played that better than De Niro? I mean, I uh, won't spoil anything. Um, and also, like, he just. He plays older. Actually, um, how old was Ernest? Because I feel like Leo is probably a bit older than Ernest was at the time. Definitely. Actually, it's my next potent notable. Okay. Well, <laughs> Molly, Molly was 10 years older than Ernest. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And so Lily Gladstone, who plays Molly, mm -hmm. is actually 12 years younger than Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. So we're fudging some ages here, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, Leo's, you know, 50, so. Right. And it, it didn't bother me in the slightest. I don't, oh, no, you know, no. But but it's uh, it is sort of interesting that she was technically older than than him in real mm -hmm. life, and and you know the actors portraying them are just like, no, we're a couple old guys. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so when I found this next potent notable, I was very excited for this mm -hmm. recording with you. Oh, okay. This marks. John Lithgow's first collaboration with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> yep. You know, I uh, actually kind of avoided I knew this movie had a big cast, but I kind of avoided everyone who was in it. Because so I was like, it's kind of fun when actors show up and you're not expecting them. And I was not expecting John Lithgow. I did not know who I was, was in this. I and, had no idea until I was doing the Pope Notables research. I was like, John Lithgow? Yep. That's very exciting. But what were you going to say? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, he shows up and I'm like, okay. It's, I'm glad he didn't play. I'm glad he didn't play Hale. You know, I'm just saying. Oh, he would have been a great Hale. <laughs> he, he's doing the, the cliffhanger voice the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever accent that he's is. He's quailing. Yep, he's quailing. <laughs> William King quailing. Um, so yeah, he's in it. That's that's fun. Well, I assume I assume this is also the first collaboration between Scorsese and 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 Brendan Fraser. I would assume that as well. I didn't get that quote notable, but I th you know I also I, I by the time Brendan Fraser comes into the movie, mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, that's right, he's in this. Yeah, I also didn't know he was in it, so. <laughs> You know, I didn't know until I was doing the Pope Notable stuff. This is the part of the Pope Notables that I'm like, oh, maybe I should wait until after I see it to do the Pope Notables. But I I don't know. 
Anyway, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. There was a lot of discussion about his performance, so it was easy to know to to find out that he was in it. I yeah. unfortunately avoided it, but it was so it was the best way to find out someone was in a movie because yeah. I had no idea he was in it, and then suddenly he's screaming at you, and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit! Why is Brendan Fraser here, and why is he yelling? And why, why is he yelling? It was so good. <laughs> we'll we'll get there, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Well, so anyway, this was uh, it was a bucket list item for. Mm -hmm. Lithgow to work mm -hmm. with Scorsese, which I would imagine it's everybody, every actor's bucket list item, right? Yeah, I know they almost collaborated when Scorsese almost directed an episode of Third Rock from the Sun, but it didn't work out. Is that a real? No, it's not real. Okay, I was it's just going to say, I'm like, really? All, and all Leo. imagine Scorsese, Scorsese <laughs> directing Third Rock from the Sun. Well, I mean, we were watch uh, uh, my spouse and I were watching um, ER one night, and it was the finale of I think season one, and Quentin Tarantino directed the whole episode out of nowhere, just for what? no reason. Yeah, no reason. I had no idea. Not a single trunk shot, by the way, and not a single foot to be seen. So well, then it wasn't really him. It wasn't really him. I think Robert Rodriguez was was moonlighting as Quentin Tarantino, and nobody knew the difference. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, um, yeah, all all Scorsese has to do. I'm sorry, all Leo has to do is now act with French Stewart and that chick, and he'll have acted with the whole cast of Third Rock from the Sun. French Stewart and that chick. I don't know her name. I think it was Kristen something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'd know her name. I don't know if, her name either. I'd know her name if it was as stupid as French Stewart. That's the only reason I remember his name. <laughs> and Celebrity Jeopardy. Uh, he became a really big star, that French. Um, oh, yeah. French Stewart. He's huge. To this day... So Lithgow stated that he'd gladly have taken charge of the craft service table just to be in the company of Scorsese's ensemble. So new new career for John Lithgow. Yeah. Martin Scorsese cited the films of Ari Aster, particularly mm -hmm. Midsommar, Midsummer, Midsummer. You know the one I'm talking about came out in yeah, 2019? Okay. I do. I wanted to see it. I, I, and, I probably good I didn't, but And Bo is Afraid. Yeah. Oh. Oh. That's that just came out. Yeah, but he cited those as influences on the pacing. Um, now I want to see them both. Well, the he quote the pacing of these films goes back to the B films of Val Luton, Jacques Tournier's Cat People, or I Walked with a Zombie. Just giving a little slower, or just going a little slower, a little quieter. I've quote. seen Cat People. I, that's so bizarre to me that you've seen <laughs> Cat People. I like old movies. Yeah, I like them too, but I, I don't like them enough to actually watch them. Um, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's, I think that's very common. Yeah, that's the thing is like there's so many new movies that like yeah. it's like hard to find the time. You have to like really carve out the time, which is what we're going to be doing in our in this series yeah. of episodes, which is fun. I'm going to actually force see some older movies. Yeah, force ourselves to do so. Yeah. So Marty had an interesting take on the length of his movie. Mm -hmm. quote people say it's three hours but come on you sit in front of the tv and watch something for five hours <laughs> scorsese um were you laughing there or? yeah i was laughing at that reasoning yeah also there are many people who watch theater for three and a half hours there mm -hmm. are real actors on stage you can't get up and walk around you give it that respect give cinema some respect end quote Okay, Marty. I, I get your point. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that. That's okay, though. I'm not. Yeah, but theater has an intermission. It does. And 
it's also you just go into it expecting something different. A movie movie is much more traditionally shorter than that, so you don't always go to them expecting to be there for three and a half hours. Yeah, it was a long movie. I mean, and I will say that I was reading about the pacing that he was talking mm-hmm. about, going slowly and stuff. I was like, oh fuck, I don't. Know. This is going to be interminable, you know? Yeah, but it really wasn't. To I, give you I an thought, idea of what the rank was gonna is gonna end up like. I thought, yeah, I you know we don't have a pacing category, so I'll just say I thought the pacing was excellent for me too. Yeah. So it actually did not. I mean, I, I kind of knew it was three and a half hours, but I didn't. I wasn't mad that it was three and a half hours. Right, like the opposite of the Aviator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we're like, is this still fucking going? <laughs> yep. Like, we really need more of this fucker's life. I well, anyway, we'll 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 wait until the rank for for these things. Yeah, that's true. Points. So Martin Scorsese had a meeting with the Osage people that I was talking about before mm-hmm. that changed the way the story was going to be framed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, to discuss the change and everything. Or, um, but So there had been a few movies and books that had centered the story on the FBI investigation like we were talking about because the, the, this investigation essentially created the FBI. Mm-hmm. But none had centered it from the perspective of the Osage people. He met them in a community hall in Pawhuska, Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. over the course of three hours that night, many of the more than 200 Osage people who gathered at Waken... Wait, what? I'm not sure how to pronounce this, so I'm pronouncing it wrong. Sorry. Wacon yeah. uh, Iron Hall and Pawhuska told Scorsese that the oft-told storyline lacked their voices and perspectives and failed to capture the lasting trauma from that era. Mm-hmm. According to at least six people who attended the meeting, some also told Scorsese that they wanted him to put the Osage at the forefront of their own story and not just cast them as victims of horrible acts, mm-hmm. as Hollywood so often did to indigenous people. Yeah. Um, I, I get where they're coming from, but yeah. like, it's sort of hard to tell an indigenous person's story in North America that yeah. isn't about them being a, a victim of terrible acts because that's kind of what we did. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking just after the movie, man, it must suck for some of these actors who are indigenous. They probably only get cast in movies like this. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, we, there's no, there, there's no point where we, we treated them well. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see a, a Native American like action star. Let's bring Tatanka back. Yeah. And make him a, an action star. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'd like there's an actor in this actually who's named Tatanka. I thought you meant him. Oh no, 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 no. I mean the WWF Tatanka. <laughs> well, let's let's not bring him back since I think there's a good chance he's not actually indigenous. If he is, I apologize and I, I will return. That's a good too. point. I was gonna say the same thing. I'm actually not sure if he is a native, but whatever. Well let's use let's use the actor in this movie who's named Tatanka. Tatanka means um we'll make him an action star. He has the look, I think. Which who did he play? I can't remember the name of it, but he played the guy who was working with the FBI and was kind of under oh yeah he's a badass we should definitely do that i'm with you so uh just you know let's let's get more people listening to this podcast we start making money and then we can make these movies that we're talking about and it won't you know what my 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 idea i think you probably agree we will not like pitch the movies as native american action star right exactly just an action star yeah, we're not going to name the movie. Like, we're not going to have a series of movies, one of which is called, you know, like, uh, you know, Tomahawk. The next one is called uh, you know, Dreamcatcher. <laughs> Nothing like that. He's just a he's just a dude who happens to be Native American. Right. So and it will not be a point of discussion. Yeah. A little bit like I love when Peter Dinklage shows up in a movie, but it's not a point that he's a little person. He's just there. Yeah. Yeah. 
that I feel like is a little bit more like a bit of a stretch. Yeah. People yeah. in real life. Which is not, that. They, not one of his nicknames. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I didn't say it almost, that, that almost went right over my head. It's the same for Peter Dinklage, right? Yeah, I knew where you're going with that as soon as you said it. Yeah, I know. Um, Peter Dinklage ever hears about this, I think he's gonna come beat us up like an elf. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'll be fine. Feeling with that. strong. Like, Call me elf again. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be fine with that both because we deserve it and because, um, you know, it'd be fun. Yeah, I'm with you. Come kick our asses, Pete. We I won't even fight back. I'll just be like, sure. Let me Come kick it. our asses, Pete. He's like, well, no, I'm not gonna. You made it weird. <laughs> um, so just in case this wasn't made clear in the movie, all right, the story began roughly 50 years before the murders, when mm -hmm. the Oakies were driven off their land in Kansas and, re and relocated to an Oklahoma reservation that was unfit for cultivation. Mm -hmm. So, of course, to their surprise, they found that the lands were rich with massive oil reserves. And, and this the, brought... Go ahead, and the U.S. government's like, Oh man, yeah, exactly. Well, so this you get, <laughs> yeah, it, it's like small compensation, just a tiny bit. Um, oh yeah, does not really equal it. But this brought enormous riches to the Osage, right? Mm -hmm. Which who maintained quote unquote head rights, which we they talk about a lot. Yeah, over the yeah. area. So head rights meant that the land could only be inherited, not purchased. Oh, that's actually really cool. Which is yeah. which is, but but at the same time, that's what leads to the plot of killing people, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Of purposefully marrying them and then killing them. So soon enough, the revelation that you know he had to get head rights, right, um, led to a criminal conspiracy in um, in the Osage Nation, where white people mm -hmm. would marry into the Osage, then murder their spouses just to flee with their family's wealth. That's... So Jay, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just so. It's so up. insidious, yeah, yeah. Theft is one thing, but just casually, casually getting close to someone and then murdering them. I mean, that anyway, yeah. that's taking time and effort. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I was actually really just sick. thinking. I almost wanted to not say it, but I think I'll, it, it, you almost wish they just come in and just murder them right off the bat. This is like getting becoming part of your family over years and years, and then murdering you. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so J. Edgar Hoover, the future director of the FBI, right, sent the Bureau of Investigation to uncover the conspiracy and expose the masterminds behind the killings. So fast forward nearly 100 years when Grant researched the historical event for his book. Mm -hmm. um, after digging through the Fort Worth archives, he found something even more sinister. Mm -hmm. So Grant told the Telegraph that he found a ledger listing deaths that, quote, defied any natural death rates of the time. Mm. Grand concluded that this was the evidence of a systematic murder of the Osage people. Quote, I don't know of a single Osage family which didn't lose at least one family member because of the head oh, rights. Jesus. Isn't that fucked up? It is. That reminds me of stories about how there was, you, you know, you couldn't find a Russian family in World War I that didn't lose someone. Um, yeah. Except this isn't an historically, you know, deadly world war. This is just random. Not yeah, random. This, this is just just a group, small group of people, and everybody's being murdered. Yeah. So, last potent notable here, Chief Standing Bear, who is the current chief of the Osage Nation, took part in the film's panel at Con. Mm -hmm. 
He praised Martin Scorsese's efforts, stating that he hoped the film would be a lesson about the dangers of trust. Mm -hmm. Oh, geez. Quote, quote, my people suffered greatly, and to this very day, those effects are with us. But I can say on behalf of the Osage, Marty Scorsese and his team have restored trust, and we know that trust will not be betrayed. And well, so for, for that, if nothing else, thank you, Marty yeah. Scorsese. Um, that's kind of, kind of like, uh, impactful for me over here. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, that's the end of the potent notables. Thought it was a good one to end on. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly hopeful maybe, I guess. Well, let's dive into the movie overview. Let's. Okay. One of my children. <laughs> So I don't know about you, but I got a thank you message from Scorsese at the beginning of this. Did you coming out to see it? Yeah. Oh, I did too. I thought you meant I thought you meant he thanked you for doing the rank. I was like, <laughs> holy shit! It's like when he randomly Zoom calls Lily Gladstone. How cool would that be? He's just like, popping oh, up onto people's thing. Is is that he can take control? Of, he's got like remote access to your computer, and he just takes over. <laughs> Well, what I would feel really bad about is like, you know, the first movie we ever did of his was The Aviator. That's true. And we didn't like and it. just be like, well, fuck these guys. I'm like, yep. no, but we, but we really why, do like you, Martin. That's why he insidiously worms his way into your computer. And he, you know, I have, I have complete access eventually. Yeah. Well, Maybe. what he does is he, he like convinces us that he loves us. Mm -hmm. Oh, you cool. know, for like a few years. <laughs> yeah. And then he murders our family. We have children um, together. <laughs> so but yeah, I got I got that thank you message too. So that was fun. Yeah, I like it. I, they're obviously trying to convince people to go to the theaters to see it, but uh, well, yeah, Marty has thoughts about that. He sure does. So I don't disagree with him, honestly. I I, I don't either, and I don't disagree with him about. Yeah, I also don't disagree. It's funny that he released that Netflix movie, though. I know, isn't that funny? And this one's also a streamer. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and it's just out in movies, movie theaters, on October whatever twentieth, and uh, streaming on whenever. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't disagree with them either. But come on, I do disagree with them about Marvel. Um, yeah, yeah. Movies, I, you know, I think but, yeah. that's... he's got like an old guy perspective about that. He does, you know. He's um, an old guy though, so yeah. But anyway. Then we come on to like kind of the opening scene here, and it's uh, you know, they will be taught by white people, they will not know our ways. Oh, right. And I'm that like, was, that was a depressing opening scene. It was, it was really sad. And I was what I wrote was sets the tone, me thinks. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's entirely in in what's the what's the name of the language the Osage speak? Is it just Osage? I think it's Osage, yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah, so that was also impactful. Did you notice that throughout the movie sometimes Sometimes the people speaking Osage are uh, given subtitles, and sometimes they're not. Yeah, you know, and of course that's filmmaking. Yeah, right. Like well, you don't, you need to know the impact, not the words. Mm -hmm. Here we get that whole thing, and then we get them uh, discovering the oil. I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I really thought that the pipe was going to be a metaphor, mm -hmm. but then they actually buried it. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, they buried it. All right, I'm sure it was like 
for somebody, you know, mm-hmm. like somebody died and it was his pipe or her pipe, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, I was like, oh, they're no, they're really burying that pipe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then here comes the oil just, yep. just coming right through the ground. I will say that I thought that um, this scene was a little heavy handed when I was watching it. In yeah. retrospect, I kind of don't, but maybe I do. But well, there's the only. Time- a certain amount of time you have and i i appreciate yeah. that he didn't spend a ton of time on this part i i do too actually if i i was i'm not gonna say i was i was worried but i was like eh, i'm not really sure that this is really all that and like him showing the, the them dancing in the oil it's like it was just a little a little much yeah i i agree with you so i think i had the same thoughts as you when this when it started out and it was like this i was like oh yeah, kind of. <laughs> not not like this is going to be the worst movie I've ever seen, but I'm not right. sure. Is this how we're telling the story, Marty? Yep. This is uh, it's feeling a little aviator to me. Yep, exactly. Um, so, but we move out of that fairly quickly. Yeah, we do, and I and I understand why he did it the way he did. So, um, so this is kind of cool. The, eventually, he does show how it, it's it's actually really quick because then we show. Uh, how the tribe gets enriched, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. like a series of kind of vignettes. And, um, <laughs> and all I was thinking was, boy, he loves to use the film style of the time, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> except, except this it, time he's presenting it like a, a newsreel at the time, which makes sense, right? Right, <laughs> exactly. That's the way to go about it if that's how you're going to go about it, Martin. He's yeah. like, oh, he's like, oh, these two guys are telling me how to make films now. I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, thanks for the advice. Um, <laughs> and I called him Martin. He's going to be like, thanks for the advice, Zachary. Yeah. <laughs> and John, because that's yeah. just your name. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't bother me this time. Oh, yeah. No, I liked it. I liked it yeah, once we got I to liked the it too. film real section. And it shows you how, how, how wealthy they actually were because they are like decked out in fur they really are and riding we got, cars we got those cars yeah um and <laughs> speaking of peter dinklage showing up um let me get this little person that was like yep <laughs> handing out something or other yeah you can make it rich kind of you know you can make it rich um, it's like all right all right little person goodbye little person yeah it was like all right I uh, wonder how that reading went. So anyway, it kind of tickled me. <laughs> that reading went, he walked in, they said, you're a little person. He said, yep. And they said, you're hired. That's yeah. you <laughs> Can you walk and talk at the same time? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't. But uh, <laughs> when they, sh- they kind of pan out and show mm-hmm. the landscape, you know, mm-hmm. that's a lot of oil derricks. It really was. I'm sitting there thinking, how much oil can I don't understand how oil works, and that's kind of a stupid thing to say. But that's there just must be a lot of oil under there. Those things are pumping twenty four seven, and they're all like they're like twenty feet from each other. If that, yeah. Which I think I mean I don't. Again, I like you said I don't know how this portion of the business works and everything, yeah. but I would you know watching there will be blood mm-hmm. makes me think that you wouldn't necessarily want to do that. Yeah. But I guess I assume they know what they're doing. It's like, you know, I drink your milkshake. Yeah, exactly. Long straw. So. <laughs> All right. So. And then we get, um, you know, Ernest is meeting his uncle. We're not, mm-hmm. you know, meeting, but he's he having a meeting with his uncle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, 
I do like that money, sir. <laughs> I we're we're getting we get an immediate sense of Ernest is what, not what he's all about. Yeah, he's kind of simple, and I'm not simple like he's challenged or anything. He's just kind of simple. Like <laughs> he doesn't have a heck of a lot of thoughts going through his head. And then and then I was like, and I'm like, why did he ask if he liked women? You know. Yeah. And I don't know why I thought that because it's like, well, no shit, John. You know, like, um. And then he goes, "It don't matter to me. I'm breedy." <laughs> yeah. What is the what? What? I have never heard that before. Have you? No. I've just never heard anybody described as breedy, but I guess it works for him. Um, he. I thought he said greedy though. Oh, is, did he say greedy? Yeah, like in the sense of, uh, I can't remember what rap song it is, but you know, I think like it's he Biggie, wants as many as he can Biggie get. He's saying, yeah, he's 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 he wants all the women. Maybe, maybe that is what it was. <laughs> That's either way, more sense way. than breedy. But... Well, he does he does like to breed too. He likes money and women. It would seem. I like, and you know, I liked this is this is the kind of scene I like. I like. You know the smarter character, and I'm I'm gonna call Hale smart because he's he's horrible human being, but he's not stupid, unlike his nephew. Well, the fact that he trusted his nephew with all this stuff is stupid. That was dumb. So. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually a large part of his downfall, thinking that his nephew could be trusted with any of this shit. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, you, you have to know how to delegate, and the brother seemed like he knew what he was doing. So trust trust the brother with more stuff. Maybe he did, but you know, yeah, we didn't get a lot of that. We didn't. Um, but I was, yeah, he's, I wrote, he, he's I feeling him out is like a, uh, you know, part of his plan. And I, yeah. I, I, I enjoy seeing that develop. I feel like they're, they're about to hatch a scheme to steal the inheritance of the land from the Osage. You think so? That was what I was feeling at the time. You know, oh, well. at this point of the movie. How about um, that? But I, I enjoyed that he was like... <clears throat> Better you be quiet if you ain't got nothing smart to say. Yeah, I, uh, I, I that that line hit me, and then I was thinking about that line throughout all his interactions with Molly. Me too. Where he doesn't really follow and that and Bill, no, he doesn't, and and Bill Hale and every oh yeah his interactions, which he kind of does follow his own advice, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, except that he's a little gregarious, you know. Yeah, it's kind of the part he's playing. Right. Right. Or not playing. I think he believed it up till the end. Which is funny because, you know, De Niro said that he believed that his character really did feel like he loved the Osage. And, you know, I would say, like, how can you how can you think you love someone and then do this to them? But people do that all the time. Yeah. He just people he just said he, he was like, you know, he, he loved them, but he also felt like they were beneath him. And so therefore yeah. he, he was OK for him to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, that's just great. I mean, anyway, um, so, and then all of a sudden we get a cut to like this guy just shooting his wife in the head. Yep. Which was really graphic. And so, I had a two older ladies sitting behind me in the theater, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause we're seeing, we're seeing the, the deaths, right. Or we're seeing the aftermath of the deaths. We're seeing the dead bodies and uh, Molly is, narrating and saying how they died right and i wasn't expecting to see someone murdered right in front of me yeah in quite such an abrupt way and he comes you know him coming out it's it's funny that he shot her through the window 
like like he couldn't even go up to her and shoot her, you know? Right. No kidding. He, I just like he had to hide behind curtains and do it. Like I don't know. And then taking the bait. I don't know. I, that was very abrupt to me too. Abrupt in a good way, you know. And you're supposed to feel this is, a, a, you know, a horrible thing. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just like, holy cow. Um, by the way, what is this allotment stuff? I assume that that is like your share of the, of the of the money. Depending on whether you know you're. A full-blooded member of the tribe or not? Tribe or not? But I don't. I there were a lot of terms, especially used in regards to whether or not they were entitled to money, and I uh, had a hard time figuring out exactly what they meant because they also talked about um, they talked about head rights a lot, and they talked about uh, Molly was incompetent, by which yeah. I just, by which I assume they mean that she was that she needs like a caretaker, by by which by which they meant she's a woman, so she can't handle her own money, not that she's like. You know, that was how challenge or something. So yeah, that was how I took it too. But I was I I was confused there for a little bit. I'm like, is she, are they saying that like she's mentally unfit? But you're right. It's it's just that she's a woman. Yeah. So so in their minds, she is mentally unfit. <laughs> My mind currently. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 what's his name? Um, Ernest is over there going. I think she's mentally fit. I'm mentally into her fit. Yeah. I don't know he, he he was into her. Um, yeah, he was into her, which is fun. Um, I thought it was kind of funny the way they were hawking photos. Also, yeah, I I, I know that that was like newish newish technology, but and uh, how much was forty dollars to pay for this at the time? That seems like a lot, right? Seems like a lot. I'm not sure I would want to pay forty. To, then again, photos are not exactly. But I think they were just gouging the Osage. You know, oh yeah, all like, oh, these people are rich, so. You know, they'll, they'll just try to get what I can. Yeah. Yeah. And then how quickly he agreed to 30 or whatever the guy offered him. He's like, that is also okay. I also really enjoyed that they were showing people racing, quote unquote, <laughs> racing in their cars. Yeah. And, and then there were people running and almost keeping yeah. up with them. Almost keeping up with them. <laughs> it's like, these cars are going all of 10 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's a marvel, isn't it? I don't. So they're, they're asking Leo if he's the marrying kind. Yeah. This this has the this has maybe it's just me, but this has a lot of the flavor of when they would talk about men being gay back in the day. Is he the uh, is he the marrying kind, or does he prefer the company of his male friends? You know, does he yeah. like women? Not so much. Oh. Well, he, he mostly hangs out at the club, <laughs> the YMCA. You know. I was thinking how, like, the way they were talking about marriage also, like, kind of planning out which ones would, like, which women would go with which guy or whatever. It mm -hmm. just, it felt medieval, didn't it? it? It absolutely did. Like, like, setting, setting, like, not even just arranging marriages. I don't know. Just being like, you're, you're marrying this person and you're marrying this person and you're marrying this person and... I can I can actually see how a lot of the Osage were like, okay, what is what is with all of our daughters marrying white men? And like, I'm not even saying you shouldn't marry white men, but why are all of them marrying white men? Like at at Robert De Niro's behest. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, how charming must they have been? Like, they were really just whatever I need to do or say to get this woman to marry me, and then I'll just kill her. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's 
and like there were these parts where you know leo romancing um lily here Ernest romancing molly and like i want to enjoy it but i just can't yeah you, know? you, you you basically you kind of know what's going on in the background right yeah it's uh it's like hail like actually looking at who's going to be able to seduce which daughter best right know? Exactly. And that's like especially disgusting. And like and you know, like you were saying, Lily and uh, Ernest, like they actually seem to like each other. So it's like even worse, actually, because Ernest is such an idiot; he's being manipulated into this. But if he I hadn't know. been, if he had been left alone, they might have actually just been happily married. Exactly, not... and then his kids would have had the head rights anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. And like, it's is not to say that like Ernest, Ernest was actually a good guy because he was being manipulated. He wasn't, but like, no, he sure wasn't. Uh, you don't, you don't and, let yourself. Marty makes sure he adds a couple scenes in here, by the way, mm -hmm. to, to hammer that home. Like, yeah, this is not somebody who's redeemable. Yeah. Like, him, even though I want him to be redeemed the whole time. Did you feel that way? I felt that way too. But you know, we, that's it, in, in a way it almost, was startling to me when we get scenes of him like uh you know robbing right i couldn't believe that i was like yeah, really they, they took off the masks and i was like holy shit he's doing this already and that's what i was thinking but I, uh, yeah like you like said the that, next scene yeah but like you said that's the point that you know this guy this guy's not so bad in some ways but in some ways he doesn't care he doesn't mind doing immoral things right exactly and you know <laughs> And there's like these cute moments, you know, where you're like, this is like, this would be a cute little love story. Like, you know, don't know what you said, but must have been Indian for handsome devil. I, I thought that line was adorable. Yeah. I yeah. was like, that actually would have made me laugh if I was Lily, for instance. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's so sad that it's so tainted. Lily. I'm sorry. The actress is Lily. Molly. Yeah. Molly. That's okay. It's interchangeable. Leo. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then the next thing is him holding people up and then mm -hmm. gambling all night and mm -hmm. losing all the money that he won or that gambling. he won, that he stole. Yeah, yeah. gambling all I, I love money. Oh, I lost. <laughs> it's okay, you suck at this. But then, <laughs> now, you know, she's going to give him a Stetson. I was like, damn, a Stetson? Wow. That's yeah, an expensive that hat. It is, and it, it felt like a really big hat. Was it just me? <laughs> well, that's like, our big hats. Yeah, it was just he just suddenly whoa, enormous hat, and it's like wow, you know. Um, I actually have a Stetson. Do you have a Stetson? I have a Stetson. I so you know I won. Uh, I was the number one salesman for the company I worked for in this okay. region or whatever. So I got to go on the company retreat to Scottsdale, Arizona, um, and they had a whole bunch of like entertainment things i think i told you about the laser show right yeah yeah well one of the other things was like they had like they just gave you gifts they gave just like tons of gifts and one of the gifts was a free stetson so i was like okay. that's cool do you, wear, do you wear it often you know i think i look damn good in it but my wife doesn't <laughs> so that's unusual usually <laughs> usually wives like it when they're when their husbands wear silly hats <laughs> You could be like Burt Reynolds in uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Second time bringing that up. <laughs> I like I like uh, wearing. It's funny because it's a it's a big it's hat. a big hat, <laughs> and it was a big hat. I was just saying that I like wearing fedoras, and I can't wear them because of the internet memes about the sorts of guys who wear fedoras. But I 
to be frank, I'll I'll be wearing nice clothing and I'll put a fedora on, for instance. Like it's not just like I'm wearing it with like my my Naruto t-shirt or something. You see, the the bullshit part about all that is that all it takes is for like a popular, good-looking person to wear mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. and then it's okay. Yeah, it's just well, that we're not popular, good-looking people. Very much not so. <laughs> Neither of those things are true for for either. Well, for me, I don't know about you. You might be popular, certainly not good-looking. <laughs> no, you know what? You'll you'll be popular. I'll be good-looking. We'll be set together. We can wear one hat. <laughs> we could wear one. We have to choose the one, though. Yeah, I'm choosing my Stetson. I'm. Cho oh man, I have a couple of fedoras I like. This is not fair. I got it first. Um. So. So anyway, we've got uh, the mom from Dances with Wolves. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah, I didn't know that actually. Well, she's. I, I felt like I noticed. I felt like I knew several of the actors who happened to be indigenous, but. Well, she was. Uh... I want to say kicking birds wife or it was the she was the medicine man's wife mm -hmm. um anyway yeah i was it's like funny. oh it's funny because dances involves one best picture yeah the year that art scorsese movie should have won best picture well i don't know if i agree with that but you well, know we'll get there <laughs> And we'll, we'll get that, there eventually. That'll be the Siskel and Ebert we're yelling at each other episode <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> no spoilers, but let's move on. Um, and then so we hear her talking about Ernest, and she's mm -hmm. like, he's a nice man. I'm like, is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, is Molly. This, is this oh. the part where Molly says, he's not very bright? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but he's handsome and he's nice. And I, I get what she's saying that you want someone who will just be nice to live with, you know, and like who you yeah. can live with forever, forever, for as long as you live. But um, as long as he'll let you live. Yeah. You know, she did misjudge that one. Well, I think it's his simple facade. Well, it's not even a facade. He, he is. Yeah, nice. he just is. Yeah. And, but it's, it's, it's easy to overlook. The negative part. Well, not overlook the negative parts. It's easy to it. Uh, you see someone who's not like that. see the negatives. Not see the negatives. Yeah. And well, what she's not seeing is how evil Bill Hale is. Oh, that's for sure. None of them are yet. Or yeah. few, few, few of the people in the movie are yet. Uh, um. And then, so you know, we're they're gonna be, uh, like alone together shortly mm -hmm. after that. And I was thinking, man, Molly gets small talk out of the way quick. You she know? really does. <laughs> Is this the scene where it starts to storm and she's, she's like, he's talking and she's like, shh. Yeah. Fuck less. Well, yeah. But before that, she um, she calls him Coyote. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. And she goes, you know, Coyote wants money. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, Molly's got him figured out. She likes yeah. it. She, it's like his defining characteristic is that he loves money, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, but Molly, <laughs> yeah, she figures them out so well, except for then again, you know, it's can can you it's hard to figure out that someone is murderous, you know? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, they don't usually come right out and say it. Um I I, I did enjoy, by the way, the that you needed to be quiet for the storm. Mm -hmm. And she kept being like, stop, just be still. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's not following King's advice about saying less. Yeah. Um, I was enjoying the dynamic of those two so much, and I just hated the undertones, you know? Yeah. 
yeah and then uh i don't know at what point we skip ahead a bit but we skip ahead a bit and honestly um ernest seems like an okay father too he yeah i don't disagree with that i so i'm and actually i i was wrong when she says that he's um he's a nice man mm -hmm. that's actually before the part where uh she where they're all talking about all of them you know mm -hmm. where she says he's not smart oh okay because that's coming up after this scene oh okay um but i was thinking like man i just i sort of wish i didn't know he was a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. you know i just i kind of mm -hmm. want to be enjoying it i'm like what would be better knowing and not being able to enjoy this part or enjoying this part and being shocked later i would much prefer to know beforehand because i would not like being shocked it would be a big yeah it would be really disappointing right so like while i'm watching it i'm like man i'd like to be enjoying it but at the same time in hindsight i'm like but no i think it's better that i didn't get too involved invested you know mm -hmm. probably um but yeah this is the next scene is like oh he's not that smart but he's handsome and the other ones i like the brother more <laughs> yeah i i liked this See, this was just a nice little bit of camaraderie between i i assume that those were a lot of the sisters but then yeah possibly other people too and like they're just enjoying themselves like people enjoy themselves and talk about you know their who they like and who they don't like and their love lives and everything so far as these things go um speaking of like you know, I think almost the fact that Ernest is so forthcoming with the fact that he likes money, for instance, he doesn't deny being Coyote and liking money, you know? Right, right. That almost makes it easier for her to not see the darker right. aspects of him. Because he's being well, honest. Yeah, he would admit it if he wanted to murder me. <laughs> not, <laughs> not that that's something you ever not think Not quite of. that, but yeah, yeah. Um, but do you remember when King gives, um, gives uh, Ernest... Having, I keep wanting to call him Edward, and I have no idea why. Um, Edward is no one in this movie, it's just completely random. But, um, Ernest, uh, King gives Ernest that book about the Osage, yeah, and it has Leo doing a voiceover reading it. And he gets to the part where, Can you see the wolves in this picture? And I don't know if you looked at the picture, but the picture, the wolves are just right there, they're not hidden, right? They're just out in the open, um, hunting, being wolves, and that. Remind, that made me think of the fact that Ernest, in a lot of ways, is very open about the darker parts of his personality. But it's easy to overlook the wolves when you can see them right in front of you. You're kind of done looking for them. You kind of don't think that there's going to be more wolves, for instance, or something like that further well, back you, in the darkness. You, you sort of get used to the wolves being there, and you don't yeah. see them as wolves anymore. Yep. They're, exactly. they're dogs. They're just, yeah, they're, they're just a beloved family. Which, which is kind of what Molly sees Ernest as yeah you know yeah oh, she we... thinks he's the one that's wrapped around her finger you know mm -hmm. yeah so it's just you know it's, it was i really liked the 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 what's the word i'm looking for the, the synchronicity between those scenes i don't mean synchronicity i mean mirroring each other you know sort of yeah. a call back if you think about it no yeah you know I, I i didn't write about that one but you're right that is a good uh it's especially good for the what the movie is mm-hmm I think this is kind of funny. I wrote this. I can't help it. I'm hoping Molly will turn him around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep, I actually also hoped. You know, I hope that like he stands up to King and is like, no, I'm not going to do this bad thing. But it's interesting the the way that Ernest can seemingly portion off mentally almost 
that you know he he seems like to actually love Molly, but then he just is able to overlook the fact that he's murdering her, for instance. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it. I I, I don't understand. It, it feels like he. I don't know if it's fear or what, or the, it's just like why why does Hale have a higher position than Molly? Mm -hmm. I don't really understand that part, but I mean I get it. In well, he's, he's movie, I just don't understand his personality. Yeah, but I'm sorry. He's persuasive. He's yeah. He's Ernest's uncle. We don't really know much about their relationship. Well, um, we don't know much about their relationship prior to the movie, but when he comes in, he's calling him sir, and he's saying, "You don't have to call me sir. You can call me. You can call me uncle or king, like you did." I know. <laughs> and he's okay, king. So that gives you some kind of idea of how of how they were when he was kids. Was. Yeah. And also, obviously, he's cowed by his older brother, too. Right. And, like, I, I kept thinking about how obviously abusive this relationship is, and it's just exactly the kind of... I, I know it's getting way ahead of it, but there's a point later where um, where King, you know, physically assaults Ernest and is oh, then yeah. really weird. thereafter really, like, like uh, comforting to him. And that's, like, a really deeply psychologically weird thing where... You could hurt someone really badly and then immediately go over and be like, it's okay. Because what it says to them is, don't make me mad again. You, right. you, you'd much rather me be nice, huh? Yeah. This is quite the wedding outfit for her. I thought so, too. What's with the weird, like, hat? Like, is it a paper mache top hat? I don't understand this. But yeah, and her bridesmaids? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, like, with this weird big hat. Yeah. And I was I, I don't even know what it was made out of. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking like in my head, I'm like I, I'm like having fun in my head seeing this playing out where this modern like wedding is happening. Yeah. And this regular just white lady, you know, is like, I'm gonna wear this really pretty white dress. Here's the <laughs> bridesmaid dresses. <laughs> and they're like, What's with the what's with the epaulets? Do we like what? <laughs> they would be traditional like, bridal apparel. I don't understand. We're Am not wearing this. <laughs> I'm a lieutenant in Napoleon's army. Apparently, it made me think of like 27 dresses or whatever mm -hmm. that movie was with Catherine Heigl. Yeah, you know? that one of these would be in the uh, in the closet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So now, uh, where there's a dance or something. Mm -hmm. you know for the wedding the the white guy that leo robbed is, is quite the dancer yeah he's going crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was thinking that too this guy's nuts not sure why we got a minute of him being nuts but okay <laughs> and then we, you know minnie is his wife and i'm guessing Mo it was molly's younger sister right mm -hmm. oh yeah and uh i was like what is going on with this mini one it's like she's really not doing well and I kept thinking like something nefarious about the husband, right? Because he looks so odd. Yeah, exactly. Now, I I actually got the sisters confused a little bit. Minnie at this point is married to Bill Smith, right? Right. And that's um, the guy that Leo robbed. Yeah, and he's going to marry um Rita later, which is why he continues. He continues being a, a character in the movie. It's weird. Yeah, and then but I can't, I could never quite get a grasp on it. Like, I can't tell, did he actually love the women? Or I was he know. another one of the nefarious bastards? 
it seems like he was one that he he might have actually loved them because he's invest he was one of investigating. the investigating he was investigating and he's not part of the whole thing which is why he and leo come up at odds against each other and why spoiler alert bill smith is killed along with rita right exactly so so i think that he was just a regular guy who married one of them and happened to actually it's a little strange for him to his one wife dies so then he marries her sister but i think yeah then, i think back then that was a tiny bit more common well either way yeah i don't, I don't know that was weird i i think i feel like we were meant to feel like he was not a good guy yeah he was definitely off-putting the actor um is a country there are several there are a lot of musicians in this movie i don't know why and the actor is a country musician whose name i can't remember now played by jason isbell yeah he's a he's a country kind of folk musician um and i think he does like a really interesting job being off-putting in this movie he really does it's it's an interesting i don't know like i kind of liked him less than than ernest despite the fact that i knew that ernest was was a bad person because he's got a strange way of acting and uh i don't know i'm not sure what the purpose was but i thought it was interesting um he seemed very jesse plemons to me actually kinda, yeah um yeah it was it was definitely interesting um yeah, so I, I just was like, is he like slowly killing her? You know, like Munchausen syndrome yeah. type thing. Yeah, might um, have been. Yeah, could very well have been. And uh, and then it got weird. I was like, why why does Ernest need to sit outside after this? After I didn't death? understand that either. What was that? I get it now. Yeah, but at the yeah, because but at the same time, it was a, it was a strange scene, and I was sitting there thinking, I don't know that I would have gone outside. I would have been like, yeah. why? I've been like, no, yeah, problem? like yeah. fuck you, dude. But it was I guess, an argument over head rights, I guess. Yeah, and it also kind of shows uh, Ernest is easily cowed, is all. Yeah. He might he might true. put up a fight, but he'll generally do what you say as long as you're insistent. As long as yeah. not even not even just you know act like you're the bigger dog, and he'll be like, okay, <laughs> sure, yes, bigger dog. And then there was this line of most Osage don't make it past 50. I'm like, Jesus, that's fucked up. It really is. Um, and Molly didn't make it much past 50 in real life. Or did she even make it? Well, she, she had diabetes. She had diabetes, but. Um, I would imagine that's a much harder thing to deal with back then. Well, yeah, they even, they even talk about how few people have access to insulin. Right. And then. That'll come up uh, later, though. Yeah, so then we cut to the scene where they're like they're having dinner all together i mm -hmm. guess yeah i'm like do leo and molly have a kid now or yeah they ernest and molly have a kid now we we jumped we jumped ahead a bit and also i didn't understand the dynamics in this house because a lot of people in the family seem to either live there or stay there i don't know who's i think this was the mother's house maybe yeah i don't really i i i thought i just assumed it was hale's house but oh yeah it might have been i'm not sure i don't know I did like that Anna carries a gun in her purse. I like that Anna. I actually liked Anna as a character. I thought she was fun. Me too. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps a bit, perhaps a, a bit over much, the top. But yeah. I liked her. I don't know. I, I was, I was actually very sad when she died. Like I, you know, saw it coming. But at the same time, I was like, oh damn it! Which I actually did like her. It was very striking though, because you know we see a whole bunch of white men with native women. Mm -hmm. That yeah, that actually is true. Is this around the time that the mo the mother? Whose name is Lizzie Q, I believe. Yeah, she's really going hard on Molly yeah, for being yeah. with Ernest. Yep, and this is the point where she says, "You all marry white men," and you know, 
but at the same time, they all are married to white men. So yeah. all of them. So well, then and, you get the old white people that are talking about the kids. Oh, I know. Oh, disgusting. I was like, they're still half a savage either way. Yeah, I was like, I was like, so I, I was like, Marty, I don't even want to. Can we just get just away skip from over these this. people? I yeah. don't need this. You know, like I get the point that you're trying to make, but I don't even like the points being made by them murdering them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not by being racist towards them, casually racist. Yeah. Well, I think he was just trying to show that, like, even the kids are gonna like it's they don't they treat the kids like they're beneath them you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it struck me because they're they're called they're calling they're saying these things in english in front of everyone i know they they know that everyone speaks english here this is not like a you know most people in this room don't even speak english kind of thing right so it's, it's like especially just imagine it's disgusting insulting someone's someone to their someone's kids to their face like that as though they're not even there. Um, I'm not generally a, um, what do you call it? A, a guy of conflict, you know, I don't general, generally enjoy conflict. Mm -hmm. But if somebody else's parents, you, even if it was my parents, mm -hmm. I think that I might have fought. <laughs> yeah, nobody will seem to, to care one way or the other, though. Yeah, that's gross. And, uh, you know, Anna gets really worked up about Byron for some reason. I, I didn't really understand what was going on there exactly. Well, um, she was, he was screwing her and, and yeah, got her pregnant. Know. Yeah, that's true. So she was pretty mad about him. I mean, she said you're going to do the right uh, thing. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, so she's pregnant. Yeah. And he's making her jealous on purpose. And, and then the, those, those old white people, whoever they were. Yeah, or just against. Yep, and yeah. Meanwhile, the other ones are the savages. Right? Yeah, exactly. They're calling Anna the savage and everything, and it's like you know the the guy did some shitty things there too. The white guy, meaning Byron. So, yeah, um, and, then, and he's being real weird with the maid. Yeah, he's like grabbing her just to make Anna jealous, which you know we we already know that Anna shoots people casually. So, <laughs> um. Or at least I like I like I liked the way actually she you know that those guys were bothering her and then she just shoots a gun like toward them yeah. and then fires in the air again and is like all right get away from me enjoyed that I like I liked that too um, I wouldn't like that in modern times maybe but yeah, uh, well, yeah back this then is, yeah, yeah this is like practically it. the wild west um, and then all of a sudden we get this white this guy in a white suit mm -hmm. getting killed I'm like who, who the hell is this guy and yeah they, kinda... they address it fairly soon but I'm just like what. It was kind of out of nowhere. He's walking along the oil fields or whatever, and then, and then they kill him. And they don't even say his name. I don't think at this until until for a minute. I mean, yeah. Well, we find out it's Charlie Whitehorn, but uh, you know, I had no idea. And it's part of the plot and everything like that. And my stupid ass, I'm sitting. They roll him into like a puddle of oil, and I'm like, oh man, that suit is going to be ruined. <laughs> is that really what you thought? Yeah, it was a it was a very nice white suit, and. Uh, you can't. You're never gonna be able to get the oil all out of that. Maybe the blood, but not oil. <laughs> Maybe the blood. If it's if it's completely white, I mean, just bleaching it, you know, should work. That's actually a good point. My um, the fabric, depending on what it is, though. This is this is the important part to focus on. So let's, <laughs> let's spend some more time on the laundry. Well, then we get Molly's mom kind of being a jerk again when she says Anna is her favorite. Oh, I know. I didn't. 
I also didn't understand. I didn't realize that Ernest had gotten so drunk. Like, yeah. all of a sudden he's like wasted. Yeah. Um, I thought he kind of always acts kind of like a goofball, but after a minute, I when he when he says I'm too drunk to drive Anna home, and Molly says, "Really? Or you think or something like that?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, he actually is kind of falling down drunk here." And why are all the law people white men? You know, that, that's a good question. Why that's, that's the sheriff and everything else are are not only white but very much in King's pocket? Yeah, it's really gross. How about that? Well, they so even then, say they even say the city and the county aren't helping us, so. Right. And of course, you know, now Anna's going to get killed. Yeah, I actually, they don't, they don't show all of Anna's body or anything like that, but the state she was in actually kind of like had me go. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was gross. Um, and I was, I, I don't know about you, but I assumed Byron had done it. I did too. <laughs> At this point, I was actually having a tiny bit of trouble keeping track of who everyone was. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of forgot that that particular guy was leo's brother at that point but i kinda, oh really yeah i kind of put it together immediately thereafter but uh and then they're like doing an autopsy like mm -hmm. out in the open out in the open while they're while her family is right there and they're sawing through her skull yeah and molly has oh, to like what the hell yeah molly has to put her hands over her ears so as not to hear them sawing through her sister's skull yeah could have been done more tactfully than this I was sitting there thinking, why are they letting so, actually why are they even letting Molly sit there? Not that like you can tell Molly she has to go, but like maybe try to convince her to leave. You're like, maybe this isn't the best place to be right now, Molly. Yeah. Do you really want to be present for your sister's autopsy? So then we get this, you know, after Anna's death is when we get to this like round table with mm -hmm. uh with all the Osages and and mm -hmm. The discussion that they're having about white people, I was like, mm -hmm. well, I am feeling pretty guilty about being white. I like that they were saying all these things in English with a lot of the white people there. I was like, this is... I did, too. They're, like, kind of not even concerned about whether or not Ernest and King and everybody are <laughs> offended by this. Yeah. Not that they have the right to be, but... And then I want them to be Osages, just like the gift my grandma gave to me mm -hmm. about the kids. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, that's, this is, it was tough. It was, yes, it was touching, but also so sad. We're getting, into, we get, we're getting into the sad portion of the movie. Not that the movie wasn't sad to begin with, but now we're really getting into yeah. mur the murders rolling in. And Bill seems like a real piece of shit. As a Robert De Niro, Bill. Bill oh Ann. yeah, yeah. We're getting more and more information about. Uh, Ernest is complicit already, but he's also becoming more and more active in all of this, and right. sort of revealing. Because, like, take Anna's death. I'm not even sure Ernest totally knew what was going on there because he was drunk, but he was obviously complicit to a certain extent. And then we're going to move into Ernest actually arranging for people's deaths going and finding essentially hitmen which is just random criminals to do it yeah so he's getting more and more involved and eventually he's going to be the actual active you know you know murderer or attempted yeah. murderer it's really it's gross um and then so then you know after anna dies like oh you know molly you've inherited a hundred thousand dollars because yeah. of this. He's like, that's too much money. Yeah. Let's let's spend some. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how how dick? How wonderful! Imagine you get all this oil money and you think, "Wow, finally we get to be the the authors of our own fate." And then not only is like the entire town run by white people who look down on you, like you you can't even get your own money without some white guy telling you you're spending it wrong or you don't deserve it or something. Yeah, and and like we already got earlier that she spent too much money on um this that or the other, or her mother spends too much money on groceries. Yeah. Does she and really need that much meat? And it's like she can have whatever meat she wants, you know? Yeah. Go it's her money. She wants she wants to buy a whole thing of meat and then let it go bad. That's her life. Exactly. Whatever. I'm not sure what I was getting at here, but I wrote, why be careful? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was uh um whatever I can't remember his name, but the guy who they send the white guy actually, the one husband of one of the of one of the women, the Osage women who goes to Washington. To try to convince them to send investigators of some kind. Oh yeah, yeah. He gets that telegram. Be careful, and that was like, ooh, chilling. Oh. And then, he, then he is not careful because he walks them out of the hotel and is immediately, you know, murdered. kidnapped, murdered. Yeah. yeah, immediately, just bag over, bag a uh, sack over his head, and then beaten to death. So okay, <laughs> it just goes to show you how far ranging <laughs> King and everybody's influences that they can yeah. send somebody to kill this guy in Washington and. I don't know who sent him the telegram, actually. Yeah, me either. But I it's funny because it's I said why be careful, and I just didn't read the next line. And I said, Oh, now I see. He's yeah. going to be fake stabbed a lot. <laughs> stabbed <laughs> just just long enough to have gotten stuck in the ribs. Actually, it looked like a lot of the times that didn't even actually puncture him. That's what I was thinking. Is like they didn't I, I thought it was a very fake stabbing. <laughs> it kind it kind of did seem that way. Um and then you know they reveal that Anna was pregnant, and I was like, "Yeah, mm -hmm. I knew yep. that." Um, and then, and then King asks, "Was it mine?" Yeah, I'm like, I, "Oh, King had sex with Anna." Yeah. I get that Anna is uh, she like she enjoys having a good time, but really, King, you know? Yeah. And then, and then they show white people grave robbing, mm -hmm. <laughs> as though as though they couldn't get any lower. You know what I mean? I know. I'm like, this is there's such what a wonderful culture we have, you know? Oh, absolutely. Our Just, history is really wonderful. Um that's this that's uh what's his face? Blackie. Blackie, I can't remember what. But he's the one doing the grave robbing and and we get uh, Oh, is he doing it? Because he's he's uh he's native. Yeah, I thought I thought that he was actually at least part native. I couldn't tell. Which is interesting. Uh, I, for, I forgot that it was him, but you know yeah. he's, you know, he's doing it for the money, right? And so, yeah. And uh, Ernest is trying to hire him essentially to kill. I'm not even can't even remember who he wants to kill at this point. He wants to kill so many people. Well, then I don't even remember what happened here, but I was like, Jesus! I thought Bill was terrible. It sounds like he actually wasn't. It was Ernest. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ernest is in charge of finding the people to kill all these people and again i can't yeah. remember who and this is when he has it, it screws up shows you Ernest is screw up as well because he he hatches this plan to have blackie steal his car and then like his car and then that's what gets blackie, blackie gets arrested yeah yeah i enjoyed blackie running away just <laughs> he's just running through like a field and the cops are like where are you gonna go blackie we're right behind you just stop and then they, they show him with the money and he's like I love money. Damn mm -hmm. near love it as much as I love my wife. And I'm like, whose Damn sister near. you're planning on murdering? Yep. 
Because this is when he's planning on murdering Rita. Yeah. Oh, Rita. Exactly. Yes. And and um, Bill. Bill. And Bill. Uh, I don't know how he compartmentalizes in his head. I don't know. Does he actually love his wife? I mean, it's just so difficult. I'm like, how do you actually love somebody and then do this? I don't know. Um, I guess that's the point of this movie. I mean, I don't know. It's examining how this occurs, but I don't. I don't know that there's an answer aside from some people are weird. And then they like, and then they show this like really sweet, sw- sweet scene between him and his wife. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you're going to wake, oh, you're going to wake the kids up. You're going to wake the kids up. I mean, that's uh-huh. hilarious and adorable. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn it. Damn you for making me like anything that you do. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. And by incredible, I mean bad. Incredibly bad. And that, so the diabetes is getting worse for Molly here. Yeah. And we get a doctor who says, you will lose your feet or worse if you eat like a white. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting statement as well. Yeah. Don't eat bacon. That's eating like a white. Well, she did have taffy. She did have taffy. That is that that is quite white, actually. I don't blame her. I like taffy too. And I, I, I my, can't eat. My mom's favorite. Well, she's she's a smart woman. I hope I've always known this. <laughs> and then especially, now we're especially her taste in podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, and then we're like, now I'm like, what the hell are they doing in this Masonic lodge, right? Yeah. And I'm like, is he about to spank him? <laughs> he's about to spank him. That's exactly what he's going to do. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a big spanking board. I'm like, this is fucking weird. Yeah, but that's all part of the psychological intimidation, you know, make you feel like a kid, make you feel like you're powerless. Right. And make you it's feel like weird. You're, you're desperate to please the, the, you know, the person who's abusing you. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that they, they show the Tulsa massacre pretty shortly yeah. after this. That was interesting, too. Do you know if that was real um, archival footage or if that was... I don't like know, but I, I... You know, it's a good question. It was um, it was definitely striking how much of that neighborhood... That neighborhood was just destroyed. It was like yeah, a bomb went off. It was gone. Yeah. I'm sure bombs did go off, but the point is it's like the modern U.S. military bombed it is what it looked like. Well, I'm thinking, okay, so they... There's basically a genocide in Tulsa, yeah. right? And you have another genocide in the Osage Nation. Mm-hmm. So Oklahoma has a nice history. Huh? Oklahoma does have a nice history in this way. And also, what gets me is where do you... Like, where do the white people want these people to live? I don't know, man. They just don't want them to have any money. It's not about where they live. I, and, like... It because just Tulsa like... was, like, they were making a lot of money. It was Black Wall Street. They were, yeah. you know, they were wealthy. The Osage were wealthy. Yeah, so don't, don't have... You're the, not allowed the... to be wealthy... You know, only white people. Yeah, only white people are allowed to be wealthy. You have to live, you know, in abject poverty, or else we're not happy. Right. Not only it's like the I can't remember the difference between um envy and jealousy, but there's a difference. One one you want what someone else has, and in the the other you want what they have, and you specifically don't want them to have it as well. And this is very much a, a case of I want what you have and I want you to have nothing. Well, it's it's that that viewpoint of it being like, how could they possibly have more than me because they're beneath me? Yeah, and meanwhile, you'd think that the, them having more than you, by that logic, by by the logic that they lived by at the time, would indicate that they are in fact better than you since they made that money. But no. Right. Yeah, it's 
anyway. Um, so now we're going to see Ernest yelling at Molly, mm -hmm. like talking about that. Bill Hale got this for you. You're like one of only five people to have this, and blah blah mm -hmm. blah. This is a gift, and and he's like yelling at her and everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is kind of an interesting scene here. It is. Um, I thought it was interesting actually because I could kind of understand his viewpoint. Not necessarily the yelling at her because she's obviously not in a good way at this point. Right. But imagine. But I feel like it's coming from concern. For it her. is coming from concern. He wants her to 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 live yeah. weirdly at this point. He's like, take we need to give you your medicine. I know you don't like it, but this is going to save your life. Or at least the doctors say, say it is. And it is. But they don't know that. Yeah. And if, and of course he's he's insanely casually racist. I don't know where to. I don't know if you remember that part when he's Oh yeah. Him. Yeah. Where he even does the the whooping with oh, his hand over his mouth. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, that was the thing even back then. <laughs> Maybe that was one of the ad libs. <laughs> if that was the nature of the ad libs Leo was adding, I can see why Marty and uh, Robert were like, um, Leo. We don't need that dialogue. Yeah, we don't need the weird. Stop, stop, stop running around and calling yourself a red man. Um, so now we're going to see. Bill Hale trying to get life insurance on mm -hmm. uh, this guy. Yep. And Henry, Henry something. Yeah, whatever. I, um, I well, <laughs> you say, yeah, whatever, but I, I identified with this character deeply. So, oh, I just, I, you know, I said whatever, not because of dismissing him, but more just like annoyed. Oh, yeah. How, how, how disposable everybody is to King, for instance, taking yeah. life insurance out and then making sure he lives long enough that it, you know, the policy kicks in or whatever. Right. Exactly. He just needs to live for another 15 months. And then he can kill himself as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's really nice. But I did think it was interesting that the doctor was like, a little whiskey will help the melancholy. Oh, fucking shit. Just to, just to go show, just, I mean, it's great that insulin was invented and it's great that Molly is getting that and everything like, but think about, I often, for reasons I don't want to get into, but you know, I often think about the state of mental health and um, as, as much as I don't care for a lot of it today, good Lord, when he says, well, what about my melancholy? And he says, oh, a little whiskey will help that. And, and like Henry does have a problem with alcohol at that point. We already know that. Well, we don't know that. Right. We will find that out. So that's, that's, well, the and then they, they're like, he's because he's passed out next mm -hmm. to the fire. Yeah. And they're just talking about the life insurance policy and stuff yep. while he's laying there in front of them. And they assume he's that not he's not even human. Out. He's nothing. Yep. He's, he's, I, it actually made me think of a dog, like a dog in front of the fire like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, he's just vile. This, mm -hmm. you know, this guy. And he's got $25,000 on him. That's a mm -hmm. lot of money. It really is. I don't. I don't feel like going to inflation calculator to find out what that would be today. But it would. It's a lot then. It's a lot now. That amount today in today's money is a lot. I don't know. Well, and then I was like wondering what's what's Bill's game here, telling him about Molly's first marriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, I assumed it was to turn him against. Was it to turn him against Molly? That's what um, I thought he was trying to do. I thought. I thought so too. Um, like I tell you everything, she doesn't tell you everything. You got to trust me. I think yeah, this is the point where King is realizing 
I'm going to have to kill Molly at some point. And obviously the way that I do that is get Ed, uh, Ernest to do it. I almost called him Edward again. But but Ernest does seem to love her. So I better plant some seeds of right. That was That was what I was thinking was going on too. Was he's... And, a, and a great way to do that is jealousy. So. Yep. Or envy. Yeah, yeah, whichever is which. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, how much more does Molly have to go through? You know, my God, um, just watching family member after family member die. Yeah, as well. And as by the way, the unpleasantness of having diabetes. Go on, sorry. We, no, no, it's okay. We haven't discussed the fact that they hired a private investigator, mm -hmm. and they show the private investigator dying, mm -hmm. getting killed, right? Yep. And then by unknown assailants. Right, and then we find out right now it was fucking Ernest. It was Ernest was and uh, Byron, I think, who killed them. Yeah, it was Ernest and Byron. I'm like, Jesus, man. These... That was that was actually, I thought that was a good decision because it was very impactful once they actually reveal. Yeah. And it was like, oh, fuck. Like, he's 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 basically, he's, he's getting to the point where he's just irredeemable and he's gone. Right, exactly. That's what I was, I'm like, gosh, I want him to be redeemed, but every time there's just one more thing. And it, Marty did this throughout the whole movie where mm -hmm. he's like, I know you're going to empathize with him. Mm -hmm. so stop. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're going to show, we're going to, we're going to show you how he gradually gets to a point where he's okay with, with poisoning her. Exactly. Um, and then, and then he, so he finds out that she's, you know, she's pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. Molly got mm -hmm. pregnant again. And, um, why does King look so displeased by her being pregnant? Um, so I don't know. Um, either does I he mean, not he might, want to kill her while she's pregnant again, he, you know, like kill another pregnant woman. That might have been the case. It might have been. I actually don't know now that you mention it. Um, it might maybe it's just that he's like, oh, it's going to make you closer to her again or something. Yeah, something like that. And or, you know, if he has to kill the grandkids eventually or something like that not grandkids at you know leo's kids his grand nephews and nieces yeah Ugh. so now we're gonna meet with uh somebody you know he's gonna like this john guy is a john i can't remember his name now um he's uh jackie eel haley or whatever jackie earl Haley. oh yeah um what was that character's name it doesn't Rorschach. matter yeah yeah um but <laughs> he was a fun character yeah well he's i enjoy him as an actor Me but too. um <laughs> he won't kill people if unless they're native unless, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, didn't, I didn't sign on for that kind of work well it'd be killing engines well that's different yeah yeah it's like damn mm -hmm. and apparently there was there, there's this like throwaway line by the way i don't know if you noticed it what kind of sheriff goes around selling cocaine that's a good question. <laughs> what? It's, this this town is is something, or I don't even know if it's one town or if there's a couple of places, but this area, it's got some some deep seated, you know, some poison in the well, and most of it comes from one particular source. Yeah, Asians. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I definitely got that. Cut I that left out. a long pause so that you yeah. could get rid of it. But I thought you'd think it was funny. So yeah. Well. <laughs> so now Ernest has told this guy, like, you mm -hmm. know, it needs to look like a suicide. Shoot him in the front of the head. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. And he shoots him in the back of the head. Back of the head. Well, it was interesting because it, 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 you know, we got these voiceovers occasionally. 
where a character is narrating. And it wasn't super consistent, but I was okay with that because later I imagined it being that character. That's when they're talking to the FBI. FBI, yeah. but we don't know that yet. Um, so I thought that was an interesting choice. I liked it. Um, and we see these two characters becoming friends, actually. Henry Henry Roan, I believe his name is, and this guy. Yeah. Um, and he's even saying, like, we, we, we went out a couple of times and we ended up, you know, we became friendly and we enjoyed one another's company. And then I decided to kill him like I was supposed to. And I'm like, did he did he spend weeks when he was supposed to be killing this guy? Like, just yeah. hanging out with him? That was kind of strange. Um, and, like, how could you... You couldn't... You could hardly screw that murder up more than he did. I think. I know. Aside from just not killing him, which would be the ultimate way to screw the murder up since it wouldn't have been occurred. But shooting him in the back of the head, not leaving the gun. Clearly not suicide. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm... Yeah. And then when they're talking when Bill and, and Ernest are talking about mm -hmm. the, the murder, I, you're sort of, it's kind of silly. Mm -hmm. It's kind of making you laugh. I'm like, Jesus, I'm finding this funny. It's sort of disturbing that I'm finding yeah. it funny. Well, King is um, saying like, you supposed to shoot him in the back of the head. You supposed to shoot him in front of the head. Why do you shoot him in the back of the head? He's like, I told him to shoot him in the back of the head. It's like, hey, wow, this is like a comedy of errors. Suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. It's who's on first, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, uh, we didn't talk about this, but the the guy he did the insurance on Henry or whatever his name was. Yeah. Um, his wife had been sleeping with Roy Bunch. Yep. And so he goes off and beats him up. So then, now after he's dead and he's been shot in the back of the head. Yep. Um, not suicide. Uh, King goes up to Roy Bunch says, "Yeah, you better leave town." And I was not expecting Roy Bunch to be like, "You ain't my friend." Like, yep. Fuck off. I wasn't either. That was that was an interesting scene too. Um and I liked how he was like, I didn't do it, so I'm not gonna run, you know? Yeah. And I then, have nothing to be guilty of. I didn't kill this guy. Which he yeah, did. So, exactly. And then and then uh we get Bill Smith. We're gonna go back to Bill Smith instead of mm -hmm. Bill Hale, right? Mm -hmm. Um and Ernest is like they're having dinner or whatever. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and Bill just sort of calls him out, mm -hmm. calls Ernest out, you know. Absolutely. And, and then he's just like, well, I don't like talking to you, Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, I, do you have a problem with me? No, I just don't like you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, or he asked, did I do something? And he said, no, you didn't do anything. I just don't like you. Which is, I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> it was an interesting conversation, you know? It, it was. Um, and, uh, and it's clear that Bill knows what's going on, right? Yeah, at this point, yeah. He's done um, his investigations and... And he kind of almost says to his face. And then, so now, so now Bill Hale is mm -hmm. telling Ernest, like, you know, this needs to get done. Go find Asa mm -hmm. and tell him it's, you know, he's got to do it, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, give him all these instructions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look at me like this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Another line that's actually kind of, kind of funny because I, you know, Ernest is doing that face he makes where, like I said, like he's trying to do long division in his head and it's like, okay. okay. <laughs> well, then again, like you said, should he really be trusting this stuff to Ernest? Right. Uh, yeah. Pretty stupid. I, like, he's proven to you time and time again that he's not capable and yet you keep doing it. Uh, let's see. We forgot to mention, not he doesn't matter that much, but that character that bill hale is hanging out with at that point the champion oh yeah roper the rodeo guy yeah 
he is he's played by Sturgill Simpson, who's also a musician. I'm I'm gonna point out the musicians in this movie because Marty used a lot of them, and I think he did it purposefully because I don't know if you know this, but he likes music. That's weird. Most people don't. <laughs> um, well, Robbie Robertson did the uh, the uh, score for this movie. It was his last one. Yeah. So, how sad. Well, I'm not that sad. Yeah. I'm fine with it. And uh, if only what's his face from Fire Down Below had been in it. This movie. If only. I think he would have fit which, in. I don't know if which, he by great, the way, but... my mom told me I said his name wrong. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now I can't. Re- I think I said it was Le- Levin uh-huh. Helm, and she says it's Levon. Mm. Like the like the Elton John song, yeah. I guess I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it cracks me up when you say things like that way. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. I guess <laughs> I'll just stop talking then. But what's crazy to me, and the, I, I, maybe this is my personality. I'm curious if if this happened to you as well. But I, I wrote after this whole thing with the, you know, look at me like this makes sense. I'm like, I'm really hoping beyond hope that Ernest will be redeemed eventually. Yep. Yeah. Did you feel the same way? I felt the same way because at this point I was wondering maybe he's not going to do it. Maybe that's why. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, they're going to finally. And he's going to think, no, this is a bridge too far. I can't have someone blow up Bill Smith and Rita. Or is it? It's Rita at this point. Rita's house. Rita and Bill Smith. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, and like I knew the explosion was coming too. By the way, oh I know this, this explosion wow. was fucking intense. It just goes to show you. And then, and then later, uh, the the Roper guy, the champion champion Roper guy, is like he used too much dynamite. <laughs> when he yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, and the two uh, uh, Molly and Ernest don't live that close. They live several houses down. Yeah. And their windows get blown out by it. So this is quite the... It's amazing that um, Bill Smith survived that slightly. He didn't really survive it, but he... But he, <laughs> but he technically survived it. Because they're looking through the rubble, and he's laying there, and he's yelling, Caleb, shoot me, shoot me! Oh, I know, I know. And then I did not really understand why we quite needed them to find Rita. She's, like, in this weird Christ-like pose on, like, the only bit of of floor that remained looking she looks like she's asleep and it's like wait did she survive or something and then they they try to pick her up and the back of her head falls off oh i know oh that was that was startling yeah i actually wrote i was like oh was the back of her head falling off necessary yeah did we really need to see that in quite such quite graphic detail so yeah okay (laughs) but and then and then we find out that the uh maid they're still finding pieces of her, including that hand that's standing there, that's sitting there. So, yeah, um, I, I just don't know. How do you live with yourself doing this to your wife? Un- unknown. And at this point, you know, it's easy to overlook one dead body or something like that. But an entire blown up house with three people dead. Well, that's like the guy says to him, Bill, you're, you know, making yourself too visible here. Mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yep, and an enormous explosion is not exactly plausible deniability as far as. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're going to see Calvin Coolidge because Molly goes to to D.C. and gets somehow gets to meet the president. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. Apparently, that's just fine. I don't really look like a a Bureau of Indian Affairs gathering. That's what it looked like to me, too. But we, we weren't told. 
how that came about exactly. She gets time to shake his hand and, hey, by the way, we're all being murdered. Can you send someone, please? Yeah. And Calvin Coolidge is like, okay, then. I thought I was just going to say hello to you, and now I'm being <laughs> asked well, to send help because everyone's being murdered. I don't know what's going on. It's sort of fascinating because they did two things here that I enjoyed. They made Calvin Coolidge slight mm -hmm. because he was, mm -hmm. and they made him silent, which he also was. <laughs> Yeah, no lines. I don't have the foggiest idea who played him. Well, there's a there's like a famous quote about him. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you've heard this, but uh, this woman was like, you know, made this bet with somebody, and she was like, "I bet I'll get him to say three words, mm -hmm. right?" And so she goes up to him and she says, "You know, Mr. President, I bet whoever it was that you'll say three words to me." And he said, "He said you lose." <laughs> So that's a funny story. I don't know if it's true, but uh, I like it either way. I'll tell you, I have not heard of that story, actually, because I don't hear much about Calvin Coolidge ever. He's no? A, he's a reasonably not known of president, and as far as I know. I was So now we're, we're going to go back, and, like, you know, King is now telling Ernest, you need to, you need to, like, keep her sedated, basically. Yeah. Do you know what they give him? I have no idea. Not good. I don't think it's ever said what substance they actually give him to put in the insulin. I assume it's just some kind of sedative or... That's what I figured, like ether or something. It's slowly killing her either way, because at first it just makes her lethargic, or quite lethargic, actually. But, uh, yeah, eventually she's almost di dying from it. So, I mean, I don't know. And I you know, they can't believe the amount of influence the king had over him. I'm like, really? You're going to basically kill your wife here? No, exactly. And it's... Well, they presented to him in such a reason, not a reasonable way, but in what seems like a reasonable way, if you're an idiot, because the doctor, <laughs> the doctors are even saying, oh, it'll just slow her down. Right. It's fine. It'll just slow her down. And like they, they presented as a good thing that she is, you know, she's, she's overexerting herself. This'll, this'll keep her from doing that. And it does. So. We know, and we know. His, I just don't know how he he see like. Okay, fine. I'll give him trying it a couple times, but then seeing the results, seeing the, the results. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, and I don't know. It's. Uh, I, I mean, we could spend this entire time trying to figure out Ernest's his yeah Ernest's like, state of mind here. Yeah, probably should just move on at this point. But uh, uh it's just tough to watch. Mm -hmm. There's just nothing redeeming here. He just mm -hmm. keeps failing um but uh i was like well what do you know coolidge actually did something although i have no idea if he did actually do anything but that was the it seems that's the intimation here right that he spearheaded it, this it is and um i thought i thought it was an odd not bad necessarily but an unexpected choice for me that we don't actually find out why the agents were sent yeah because um, i guess it was at hoover's behest but I don't know. We don't know if if Coolidge went to Hoover and said, "Do this" or something, or if Hoover found out on his own, or I don't know what. But at least we well, do I, get. Good. No, we at least we do get agents from the federal government here, and they seem to be taking their job seriously. So that's hopeful. Yeah, I like that too. But I, I I think that it's meant to not be clear because it wasn't clear to the Osage people. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I love. I I didn't realize that Jesse Plemons was in this. He's one of the few 
uh, actors beside the main two that I knew was in it. So, uh, like, I I feel like I knew when I saw him. I'm like, yeah, that's right, he's in this. But I was like, this is awesome. I mm-hmm. I love Jesse Plemons. I do too. He's probably one of the best actors working. I think so too. He's just fantastic. This, this movie is kind of stacked as far as acting. We'll get there, but um, yeah, it really is. But then, so so yeah. And Ernest looked real guilty when Jesse shows up. Oh, I know. <laughs> could you could you look more guilty, Ernest? Uh, no, she uh, she can't she can't come to the door right now. She's uh, she's she's sick. She's, she's sick real sick. Well, she's why sick. She can't come in. Yeah. Can we come back tomorrow? No, you can come back uh, Friday. You can come back. Uh, yeah, she won't be sick then, or she will be sick then. But I don't know. I'm not killing yeah. her. Why? I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, do you, what do you think? I'm poisoning her. I'm not poisoning her. Uh, who told you that? And then you know, Ernest runs to Hale. You know, mm-hmm. yep. And he's freaking looking, out, looking even more guilty. <laughs> yeah. And De Niro is such a good actor. Mm-hmm. Just grabbed him by the ears and told him to settle down. I know, like a child. <laughs> Literally twists his ear and says, "Calm down." <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> but oh my gosh! And uh, I, I mean, I'm at first I was like, uh oh. Are these are these agents from the federal government? Are they going to be ineffective? Like they don't actually care that all these natives are being killed? But uh, slowly, slowly, we get more and more of them actually doing their jobs. I, I enjoyed. That. I loved how much they were just like, no, we're here to find out, and we, mm-hmm. we're taking it. Seriously. I was like, yes, exactly. This is great. Mm-hmm. This is what it's supposed to be like when you have detectives investigating. Yep, and uh, I like. I don't remember when the scene they they get together like in the oil field and. And, and share information that they've picked up. I like that scene a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, what's with shooting the bell, by the way? That was seemed like the dumbest idea ever, don't you think? Yeah. Like what? Shooting shooting something metal nearby you, and also it's curved, so it's going to like ricochet off in unpredictable directions. But it didn't seem to hurt anybody, so whatever. So King Hale is uh, starting to lose it at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, He's... things are coming unraveled. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, please tell me they're actually going to arrest Ernest and King because I don't know the story. I didn't yeah. like I, I knew that they went like my the extent of my knowledge of this is that they went that FBI went down to Osage and investigated. I have mm-hmm. no idea what happened after that. Yeah. Um. And so they they're talking to uh, the um. The ones who did the the doctors are doing the autopsy. I don't know if they're doctors, mm-hmm. but whatever. Yeah, whatever they are. They're, they're the sh- the sh- the Shone brothers, I believe. Yeah, we're we're looking for the bullet. Yep. <laughs> they're they're like, well, why'd you cut the body up into little pieces? <laughs> we're looking for we're the bullet. Looking for the bullet. <laughs> and they're like, you didn't find it though, right? And they're like, nah, couldn't find it. <laughs> they're like, okay. <laughs> I know. These investigators are like, wow. Already then. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of funny because they must have rolled into town, talked to like six people, and then be like, "Yeah, so this place is insanely corrupt." <laughs> Did you notice that? Exactly. And, the, and the other investigators like, "I did notice that. Everyone I talked to was corrupt, and in, in, in one guy's pocket. Maybe we should investigate him." Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and then they. This is when they they roll up on Hale, mm-hmm. and he's just like. Like nothing happened, you know. Yep. So he is something else. He really is, and he's saying, "Oh, but this isn't a good time to talk to me. I'm getting shaved right now." <laughs> yeah. And and then he goes around starting to try. 
tie up loose ends, you know, mm -hmm. kills Asa. Oh, yeah. um, kills lots of people. It's like kills the actually, guy that brought him to Asa. This oh, I actually liked this scene. He tries to get um he also tries to get uh Blackie killed, by the way, telling him to rob that right. bank. Um oh, I, I don't know. I I just want to mention this scene because A, I thought it showed that Hale actually is clever and pretty good at what he's at what he's doing. Because this all this almost all works. It doesn't end up working, but he did manipulate it. He's manipulative. He's good at being manipulative. I yeah. think that's beyond beyond question. And also, it reminded me so much. And I think it must have been intentional because Martin Scorsese says he is aware of the movies he's directed in his life. I, I assume he remembers all of them. And, and I assume he remembers making a movie where Robert De Niro's character is going around murdering everybody who is involved in his schemes and we get into a cut a bunch of cuts of each person being murdered one after another or their bodies being found and he did not play that piano section of Layla over this one but that scene in Goodfellas is one of the best scenes I can think of in movies so I just wanted to mention that the one where <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, um, I just wanted to mention the one where Jimmy is uh, killing everybody who is involved in the Lufthansa heist. And um, we just see all of their bodies showing up. And this is what reminded me of him going around town and saying, hey, maybe you should go do this. Oh, you died. Maybe you should go do yeah. this. Oh, you got blown up or shot. or I don't even remember how everyone died. So I'll stop talking about that, though. No, no. It's, I mean, you're right. It's, it's pretty excellent. But, uh, but now he's trying to cut out Ernest. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm just like, oh, come on, Ernest, don't sign it. Mm -hmm. I can't oh, believe I you got him to sign it. I was like, Jesus, Ernest. My I know. Like, could you be more you... <sighs> Could it be more transparent that he's going to kill you next, Ernest? Like, come on. Come on. And actually, that's exactly like when um, when um, Jimmy meets Henry in the uh, in the in the cafe or it's a it's a diner. He meets Henry in the diner and says, I need you to go down to Florida and do a hit for me. Can you do that, Henry? And Henry says in his over, you know, his his voiceover, Jimmy never asked me to do a hit for him ever. No less asking me to go all the way to Florida to do a hit for him. <laughs> so I'm aware that I would not come back from Florida alive. So I'm going to say no. And in this movie, what does Ernest do? He signs it. He signs it. <sighs> Ernest, you dipshit. Um, <laughs> Ernest is a dipshit. And then I'm like, now, and now here comes Jesse Plemons. I'm like, yeah, get him, Jesse. You know? <laughs> yeah, that was very cowboy of you right there. Yeah, get him, <laughs> Jesse. Woo. Um, oh. And I was, I they, this is where they finally show that the native person is one of them when they have their little meeting. Yep. This is when <laughs> he, he walks up and he's like, oh, they trust me. They told me everything that happened. Yeah. And I liked that uh, he's burning his fields or whatever. Yep. And one age is like, I just sold him fire insurance. I just sold him fire insurance. Well, I guess you're going to have some work to do in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> and we've already seen Hale come over and yell at him for not giving him the the policy on uh, on Henry Roan. Oh, I know. I know. We're, we're going to find out that this Kelsey guy is a real piece of shit, too. Mm -hmm. We are. He, he was like, what would happen... If I adopted the kids and then oh, killed gosh. them. Fuck yes. What would happen if I adopted the kids legally and then they died? Would their money come to me or not? 
you understand yeah. that it, it sounds to me like you're at, you're planning on adopting them and killing them, right? He's like, well, I'm not going to do it if I'm not going to get the money, right? <laughs> and the lawyer is like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, Just I, transparently I, I, evil. I admire how forthright you are. I admire absolutely nothing else about you. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of uh, just to mention this actor, a lot of uh, a lot of this movie reminded me of various parts of the HBO show Boardwalk Empire, partly because it takes place at exactly the same time, and um, it's about organized crime. And Martin Scorsese directed the first episode of that. Um, this actor is in the last season of Boardwalk Empire as an FBI agent. Oh, and, interesting. And I was like, he's not an FBI agent here. He's a murderer. He's the opposite. He's, he's the opposite of that. Well, FBI agents, I'm sure, can be murderers, but he's the well, bad guy right, here. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. He's not trying to take down Al Capone anymore. Um, oh, and also, we skipped. We skipped one of my musicians that I wanted to mention, Charlie Musselwhite, who is a very well-known blues harmonica player, and you know, is like a legend in blues. He uh, he was the witness who was telling the FBI everything, and he's like, he's like, whoever my granddaughter or something told me not to talk to you but i'm gonna die soon anyway so i'm gonna tell you everything that's it. <laughs> um okay <laughs> just, I, just, I just want to keep up with my musicians in the movie no <laughs> no that's great i'm glad i'm glad you're tracking it i just was like sort of struck by the fact that he's a famous harmonica player <laughs> so um so anyway ernest is uh worse for wear here mm -hmm. yeah he's and i've reached He's looking bad. Yeah. And, and I have reached the point in the movie where I have, I was like, I just have no more empathy for him. I'm, yep. I'm all done. Well, I will say the one point I actually did say, all right, too little, too late, Ernest. But at the same time, at least you are developing some kind of conscience. He sort of, he stops giving Molly the whatever substance that is. And he pours it in his own whiskey, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, again, too little, too late. But yeah. This I is, was. This at least indicates that he's going to cooperate with the government to take his uncle down, no matter what happens to him. Well, yeah, I wasn't convinced yet. I've, all the other stuff that has led to this point, I was like, well, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, they they go and get him. My mm -hmm. wife, she's real sick. She's real sick, just like <laughs> over and over again. I gotta go. My wife's real sick. Yeah, he's um, he's 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 a bit. I don't know if it's drunk or still. Or if he's feeling the effects of whatever that substance is combined with the whiskey, but I enjoyed him sitting in that that pool pool hall or whatever it is, pool hall slash barber shop, I think. <laughs> um, and he's just sharpening his stupid knife, just like all it's like the tiniest pocket knife, and he's sharpening it really slowly because he's insanely out of his mind on whatever. Yeah, and I, man, I was like, gosh, I hope Ernest rolls over on hail. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I did enjoy that, like you know, they're they're. You know they're interrogating him, and I can't remember what exactly they're asking him about. And Jesse Plemons is like, "Oh, you're just a neighborly guy, huh?" <laughs> well, yeah, he's. It's when they're asking him about um, Blackie stealing the car. Oh, oh no, he didn't steal my car. I lent it to him. Well, why do you want it? I don't know. I didn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> right, so you're just real neighborly then, right? He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I'm a real uh, neighborly yeah. guy." And it's funny because he said, "I barely know Blackie." I know, I, know. To look at, I know him enough to look at him. I don't know him. And then, yeah, I lent him my car for no reason. I know. I know. And then Blackie walked, like, they show Blackie, and he's like, can I talk to this man alone for a while? Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm and like, they, they, let, they him. let him? Yeah. I was like, wait, this isn't like it's his lawyer where they have to. Yeah, I'm like, why is he allowed to talk to him? Maybe they all, maybe they left the room and then immediately started peeking through the the, the, the keyhole, like, ooh, we're going to get secrets. 
I know. I found that to be very odd that they let him talk to. I him. was I was convinced they were gonna be like, no. Yeah, that's what I thought was coming next. <laughs> Tough shit. But no, then they clear the room. I thought they were just gonna put handcuffs on him at that mm -hmm. at that point. But uh, so now we're getting a really menacing scene with Hale sitting on Molly's bed. Oh yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. But then I guess it wasn't real. It wasn't real. It would seem. It was interesting. Yeah. It it mirrors that odd scene we got with her mother apparently being escorted off into the afterlife. Well, she Presumably. saw an owl. Yeah. Oh, she did see that owl. That owl creeped me out. <laughs> did it really? Yeah. It's like an enormous owl and it like makes noise and it looks at you. And I swear to God, birds are pretty intelligent. A lot of birds. Owls are quite intelligent. And owls, particularly with those eyes, they look at you and it's like, do you know something? <laughs> you're not telling me it's like you know you know the time of, and time and place of my death and you're not gonna you're not gonna tell me because you're a fucking owl and then and i go oh jesus so i'm assuming that what you would see for like like oh death is coming is is mm -hmm. a blue whale right oh god would you shut up <laughs> you just you just made my heart go good just by mentioning it <laughs> Well, the ocean is a great metaphor for the great beyond of whatever happens after we die, rejoining infinity, as it were. Yeah. But so we're now we've got uh, Jackie Haley, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever he played, I can't remember. I think his name was John. But they pull him in and he's like, well, you know, we know you killed Henry here. And he's yep, like, and he's just, no, I didn't. Who told you that? And then they bring in. This is their favorite tactic. Yeah. Well, then. <laughs> get your pencils. Get your pencils. Yep, this is all going to be on me. Get your pencils. And, yeah. <laughs> okay, this is this is going. I loved it. Um, and Hale saying that he's more innocent than a baby. Yep. Was and, hilarious. Yep. I like reminded turning, me of somebody, by the way. Uh, um. Yeah. No kidding. Um. I also like him turning himself in. Oh, I guess I'm guilty of killing somebody. You couldn't have done that, King. Well, you know. Take me into custody, and he's putting out his hands for the handcuffs. It's like, all right, you fucking. Ugh. This kind of this kind of this kind of person, I feel like, can convince themselves that they're not actually guilty. I think so too. I, I agree with you. Despite... Then we, we see John Lithgow. Yep, John Lithgow shows up out of nowhere as the prosecuting attorney. So that's that's fun. He was Just excellent. Not not to mess, not to give away the acting uh, one. I thought he was perfectly good. I was not against him here. <laughs> it's not John Lithgow I hate in general. It's more specific performances. Um, here he was. He was. I liked it. Well, then we get. I was. I was like, wow. There's Brendan Fraser. Yep. <laughs> Apparently, the internet thinks that he was too yelly in this movie. Too much yelling. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's the point, right? How well, boisterous kind of he what is. a defense lawyer is you know especially yeah. back then and he's trying um, to rile up the crowd and everything like that you know but yeah and like it doesn't shot. look great by the way yeah, he, i don't know if he i don't know if he's just i know it must have been just after the whale you yeah. know and he, yeah i know he wore prosthetics for that too but i'm sure he also i'm sure he gained some for it yeah um and it's just it's almost startling it's like he's filmed from below and he gets up and he's screaming and like he and and uh, John Lithgow are shouting, and like spittle is coming out of their mouths and everything. And it's like, wow, this scene got a little, out of, little crazy out of nowhere. And he's saying, uh, "Leo is my client. Leo, uh, Ernest is my client. And uh, Ernest, are you his client? I'm willing to talk to him." Yeah, you know that was funny. He's so, such a simpleton. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, why does Molly want to see him? And why point, is Byron there? I don't know. At this point, you'd think that she would at least have heard all of these accusations. That's what I was thinking. And you'd think that she would go, you know what? I don't know if my husband is guilty or not yet, but I'm going to avoid his crazy family. Yeah. And not, and not let Byron, who is accused of killing my sister, um, take me to see him. You know, you think she would be more reticent. Maybe she very but much believes. Too. Maybe she believes he's innocent at this point. I, I actually was a little. I'm not sure. But so so then we're you know he, Ernest is going to get put into a room with all these white guys. I'm like, look mm -hmm. at these fucking white guys. Yep. It's like fucking white people. Um, I know that was like a kind of a striking scene too. He walks in and everybody is quiet and looks at him. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like the entire white part of the town, basically. Yeah. And they're all like, he's the piece of shit here. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, come on. I mean, he is a piece of shit, but not for sure. the reasons they're saying. He's yep. a piece of shit. Exactly. Um, and then if you do this, you'll be murdering your uncle. Mm -hmm. And there's this part where uh, I guess this is like the big one that people were. I found this out recently, just like you probably that people are like, mm -hmm. oh, Brendan Fraser overacting. Mm -hmm. That's what he he's trying to save you, boy, or something mm -hmm. like that. I didn't even think it like there was much of an. I, I remember watching the scene and being like, hmm, that seems over the top. But it felt like that's what the character would do. The character, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I didn't have an issue with it. And then when, when you show it out of context, though, it doesn't look great. It doesn't. It looks like a lot. But at the same time, I mean, we talk about this. I can't imagine that Martin Scorsese wouldn't say, Brendan, tone it down a bit if that's not what he wanted. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he's like a new director and he's afraid of standing up to Brendan Fraser. Um, <laughs> I know Brendan Fraser just won an Oscar, which it was apparently. But he he didn't well he hadn't won the Oscar when yeah. He, yeah, yeah exactly. And like I feel like that's what he Scorsese wanted this character to be insanely over the top. So right. So whatever, I'm not mad about it. He's just so easily manipulated. It's like mm -hmm. difficult to watch. It actually um, is, yeah. And I was like, how do you not realize that they're setting you up? You know? I know. I don't know. He's. I don't know if it's too trusting or whatever. Like, like I said, we spend a lot of time on his, like you said too, on his mental state. I, I just don't know. I was, I was wondering if this is real testimony. Like, I was wondering if we could find the court records. You know, yeah, stenography of it. It's like this is really what they said. I was really feeling like Bill Hale was going to get away with it. I was too, point. actually. It was actually it's actually really interesting for I think for both of us not knowing the outcome of this story going into it. Yeah, because again, like like they could have gotten away with it, we wouldn't know. Molly could have. We didn't know if Molly was going to die the whole time, like because we weren't sure when she died. You know, right? So it was actually quite effective in that way. Uh, which is not to say avoid spoilers by by which I mean real life. Um, obviously, if people want to read the book, they should. But I, I liked not knowing much about it. Yeah, me too. And now Molly loses her kid to whooping mm -hmm. off. And I'm yep. like, God damn. You know? As if as if that and you know, it made me sad because I don't know if you remember, but that daughter was named Anna, presumably after Anna. Yeah. And like, oh just I don't know how I don't know how you make it through this much loss. I don't either. I actually wrote my God, I don't know how much more of this I can take. And I'm mm -hmm. like <clears throat> sitting and watching the movie and she yep. lived it. Mm-hmm. And um, not only not only losing all these people, but also losing your husband by finding out that he was involved in all of this. Yeah, no kidding. They killed your sister, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm like, 
I so I actually wrote fuck hail. I, wrote, I I can't remember the last time I've hated a character this much. Mm-hmm. And even like the scene where he's he stands up in his prison cell and take a letter to the you know to the newspapers and he's going on about injustice and everything like that. I'm just like yeah. oh my fucking god, this guy. And like I you mean, said, at he'll, this he'll point, he still thinks the Osage love him. Oh, I know. He's even at, even at the end, not to get ahead of ourselves, but at the end, he's apparently writing letters to my friends among the Osage. Yeah, he's his, exactly. He's his friend in that letter like thirty thousand times. So, I I like you know Bill's like don't don't flip, you're gonna regret it, and he, mm-hmm. and Ernest goes, I got nothing but regret, Bill. Mm-hmm. Another affecting scene. Yeah. I'm like, finally, he's redeeming himself. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And, and Marty's like, look, he's redeeming himself. But yeah, then, yeah, but then it doesn't even end up working. It, well, because he still won't admit that he was poisoning her. The, the way that I assume, you know, Lily Gladstone plays this part, and I assume it was in the script and everything, but the way she plays the what was in the insulin or what was in the shots you gave me. And when it's like a pause, and then when Ernest just says insulin, she like stands straight up and leaves. I know. She's, she's done. It's not like, are you sure? Or I'm gonna give you one more chance. Nope. Goodbye. You know? And I it's know. like I loved and, it. And he's and he's left there thinking, if I had admitted to poisoning her, would she actually be okay with it? Like, at least that would be the truth. <clears throat> because remember, she mentions you told me I had a dream, you told me all your secrets, and then we went and you know, threw them all in the river. Yeah. And at this point, she's kind of like, "Are there any secrets left, Ernest? You know, are right. you going to keep? Are you going to keep anything else secret from me?" And I almost get the impression—not that they would have stayed together or something—but I almost get the impression she wouldn't have gotten up and walked out if he had admitted it. Yeah, well, because if he had said, "They told me to give you something to to keep mm-hmm. you from moving too much or whatever," yep, to slow you down. But anyway. I, it was interesting on the, you know, on the stand. They're like, "Are you a married man?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "No, not for much longer." Yep. Um, much. But that was even before this scene, and I was shocked when she actually shows up. And it seems like she's gonna like stay with him. I'm like, mm-hmm. I was like, "There's no way she stays with him, right?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's responsible for her entire family dying. Yep, we're seeing her in court hearing the testimony. This, yeah. you know, this person killed this sister, this person killed this sister, and this person killed this person. And she gives him like one last chance to come clean, and he doesn't. And yeah, she said, Have you have you told all the truths now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I wrote, Will he tell her about the medicine? Of course she didn't. And, and I'm like, Thank God she left him. Yep. And I love the way he left almost confused, like because it's such a shock almost. Yeah. But uh, oh, oh, right before this scene, just want to mention another scene um, when he's on the stand and they say, do you see, do you see him in the courtroom today? And uh, he points, yep, he's right there. And the camera swings right around and shows Hale, which is exactly like when Henry Hill is on the stand and they say, do you see him in the courtroom today? And Henry <laughs> points and says, yep, he's right there. And they, they show uh, Paul Servino. Anyway, just wanted to mention that. Well, so I guess originality is going to get a high score for you. Um, hey, but- <laughs> hey, I think I actually like the fact that he's referencing, in my opinion, his own his own discography. What do you call it? Filmography. Filmography, yeah. <laughs> discography. <laughs> um, I'm real well, good at Blu-rays or discs. Well, know? Blu-rays are discs. You're right. I watch them digitally. So your own digitalology, digitology. 
your own file. That's a, that's a, that's a good word. Um, so yeah, Jesse Plemons is so good. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what happened here. Yeah, now, almost, but almost doesn't matter. Something <laughs> happened with Jesse Plemons, and I was like, God damn, he's so good. Mm -hmm. So now we're gonna we're gonna cut to this old timey radio mm -hmm. um, thing. Kind of an abrupt way to, to to do this. It's like kind of out of nowhere for me. I actually, so what I found interesting about it is like you could have had the scrolling story, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have a screen like this is what happened to this person. This is what mm -hmm. happened to this person. I like that they did it this way. Mm -hmm. It was um, interesting. It was a very interesting yeah. choice. And and they're like talking about it like so he was released in 1947. Yeah. Um, and he lived in a trailer. Ernest lived in a trailer park with Byron. Mm -hmm. But then Martin Scorsese's comes out. Yeah. And He's... I don't know about you, but when he comes out to read the obituary, it really mm -hmm. caught me. No, oh, me too. I. It, it would be so easy to take you out of it or be like ham fisted or not work but it, the, the fact that he came out and read that and was almost reading it directly to us like today yeah. that exactly. was that was that was extremely affecting for me and then the the, the we, we we cut to credits over you know the i assume the actual osage nation members playing you know music and dancing yeah in you know traditional ways or whatever that was that was a real good way to say that. <laughs> well, you know, I think that the the point of that was to show that they're still they're surviving. still here. Yeah, yeah. But I just kind of I'm like these poor people, like fucking white people. <laughs> you know, I will say though, I loved that this like this showed one of the few times they actually didn't get away with it. Yep. Of course, I don't really understand why why Ernest was pardoned, but I guess that doesn't matter. Ernest wasn't pardoned. Was he? I, I thought they mentioned that he was released because he was pardoned, but maybe it was just parole. And and King gets out on parole too, which is also kind of yeah. Well, he was yeah. I don't I don't remember exactly. Somebody serves life in jail, but anyway, it's whatever. It was good behavior for King, I believe. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and probably anyway. Once. That's uh, the whole movie. Hey, quick. Yeah, I gotta end. I gotta end my musicians being actors in this movie. One of the radio actors is musician Jack White of the White Stripes. Oh. I bet he's real proud of his last name after this one. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. He's like, I'm changing my name to Jack. Mm, I'm not going to say it. Do you Jack think White. he like ever owned like a Ford dealership or anything? Yeah. Called it Whitey's Ford. Whitey's Ford, yeah. He's, he's, his nickname should be Whitey. He'll, he'll be Whitey White. Whitey White, Whitey White Ford. So um, that's the movie. That's let's the whole move. thing. Let's move on to the rank. <laughs> yes, let's. Oh, wait. So the rank is where we rank the movie based on 10 categories, story, acting, originality, film coherence, cinematography, score slash soundtrack, script structure and dialogue, character relatability, production value, and timelessness. So we rank the movie, uh, we rank the categories on a scale of one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best. The first category is story and I'll start. I gave story a nine and a half. Mm -hmm. um, I thought the story is pretty excellent. I like that they center the story on a family essentially so that you can you know, wrap yourself into the characters. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that the Osage people specifically requested that it not be from the law perspective, mm -hmm. perspective, but from theirs. And that they also didn't want 
to be portrayed as victims. I feel like that's a hard line to toe. Yeah. But I will say that the story pr comes pretty close to doing that. Mm. Um, I still think it's very centered on the, on the white side of things, but I like that there's not much redeemable about the white side of things, except for mm -hmm. the FBI agents. Yeah. But anyway, what say you? I gave it a 9.25. I feel very similarly. I, I, I really liked how, what it was centered on. Um, it's kind of centered on the, Burkhart, I believe, right? The yeah. Burkhart family. And uh, I thought that worked really well um, since it was a, a good way to show all the aspects of the story, like from a central point, and it ended up grounding it very well. Um, I like it even better knowing that they, as I would have done, <laughs> um, were considering, you know, showing it from a different point of view and eventually deciding very correctly to do that. They, they, they always say when you start writing a story, if you're like a writer or whatever, you have to think, What's the best point of view to put this from? How should I present this story? And they really nailed it here. Um, yeah, they really did. Yeah. That's all I have to say for that. Well, the next category is acting. Mm. So what do you have for that? Well, acting I went back and forth on. What? Between a one and like a one and a half? Between like a one and like a 1.25. Yeah. <laughs> not even one and a half. So not really being sure what to do, I went with my gut and just said, how do I feel about this without thinking about it? So I went with 10. <laughs> I was vacillating between 1 and 1.25, ended up going with 10. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was sitting here the whole time with my hand, my finger hovered above the 1 because I knew you were going to do 10. <laughs> so it's like, just say it already. I know it's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I almost went a little bit lower, and you're going to be amazed why. De Niro? No, actually DiCaprio. Leo? Leo, yeah. And not, that, sense. not that he was bad. I thought he was very good. It's just that he he might have been the weakest of the main characters. And that sounds like I'm like shitting on him. But I think he was very good. I just I I I loved, loved, loved Lily Gladstone in this movie. I thought that she was probably the best in this movie somehow, and I don't know how she did that, because I actually thought this was also one of De Niro's best performances in his career. Um, yeah. He, he was fantastic. He he wasn't just playing the same kind of gangstery characters he ever played. He was, like, I didn't forget he was Robert De Niro, but you almost forget he was. Um, everybody else on down was fantastic, including the people who weren't super really professional actors. Everybody did a great job. Um by which I mean like musicians and maybe even just ordinary people they cast in smaller roles. Um, but I almost brought it, brought it down a tiny bit because Leo was probably like a 9.25-ish for me. Um, so again, extremely good, but just not quite up to what I know he can do and what everyone else did. So I was like, well, and he was so much of the movie. He was very much the face of the movie for a whole lot of it. I loved the way he played stupid. Like... This wasn't, we, we talk about players playing against actors acting against type. Um, he wasn't like a Leo character here for the most yeah. part. He was like an easily manipulated dupe and that never changed. And I liked that a lot, but I eventually decided not to bring it down at all because he was excellent. Everybody else was excellent. What, you know, like what, what more do I want? I, I want, I loved how many scenes there were in this movie that were like quiet scenes of people acting. Um, you would think that in a three and a half hour movie, you'd want to cut down the scenes that are just quiet people playing off of each other. But I love the way we established the characters. We gave them time to breathe. We gave the time for really good actors to act. 
Um, it's my favorite kind of scene in movies where actors are just acting but across from each other and characters are being real and being allowed to be real people. And I loved it. So, so that's why I went with 10 because I was like, I fucking loved it. So I'm not going to overthink it. It's 10. Well, it's funny because I'm thinking that I might change mine because I, I gave it a nine. Because mm -hmm. like you, I thought Robert De Niro was absolutely exceptional. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, as as well as Lily Gladstone, I, and I thought Leo was great. I wrote De Niro and Lily Gladstone are excellent. Well, I said De Niro is excellent as always. Lily Gladstone was excellent. Leo mm -hmm. was great. So yeah. I had yeah. a delineation there. But he, I didn't think he was bad at, at all. Yeah. I didn't have any issue with it. But you know, me, I mean, me too. You, he was acting against two people that were just phenomenal. Just um, killing it. Yeah. Um, it felt like everyone was really good. Yeah. And it's 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 interesting to me that you started telling me about all the uh, musicians mm -hmm. because the musicians were the ones that I felt not as strongly for. Okay, okay. But I That's didn't know fair. they were musicians. Yeah, like the rodeo guy. I was like, yeah. this guy's not very great at acting. Mm -hmm. here. Um, he's like always kind of weirdly smiling, and so I just was like, Meh. didn't do it for me. But, um. It's tough with so many speaking roles to have everyone be excellent. Yeah, uh, but it was. It also and there were a lot like of roles in this movie. As there well. were tons of roles, and it, but it also seemed like there were some people in this that weren't professional actors, which yeah. is the case. So I was like, you know, I don't know. It's just not a ten to me because, like, as much as like I thought they were good for not being professional actors, having a professional actor there might have been better. Not better, better acted, I should say. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think it was perfect for the movie, but I don't know that it, the acting is... Anyway. No, that's uh, fair. I, I totally get that. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's it. So the next category is originality. And I gave originality a nine and a half. Mm -hmm. And I think you take this type of historical movie, and it's a pretty common type of movie. Yeah. Right? But when you have us follow perpetrators mm -hmm. without giving them any sort of redemptive quality... It's pretty original, especially dealing with this um, uh, content matter. You mm -hmm. know, the way that it did was very original. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm curious, what, what what do you have for it? Well, I gave it another 9.25 because I felt very similarly. Like, historical bad things happen. Movie, I guess, is what I'm calling this. Historical atrocities committed movie. Um not, you know, I mean, it's a pretty common, especially a pretty common Oscar bait kind of, kind right. of, uh, kind of ca uh, genre. But I think they they approached this in a lot of novel ways that I thought were very good. Like you already said about how it's from from both the perpetrators and the Osage perspective. Um, it could have made a more traditional movie from the detective's perspective, but I'm glad they didn't. Um, that that was definitely more original, and uh, I liked several of the storytelling aspects that they went with like the thing at the end where they're the, it's the lucky strike you know detective hour or whatever the fuck it was yeah. <laughs> and uh, I liked a lot of the voiceovers showing up like out of out of context um so yeah uh, a lot of excellent stuff despite the fact that like we've seen movies about historical atrocities before right exactly no I th I felt like they came at it from a very unique perspective which I really enjoyed mm -hmm. um but yeah, with the next category is film coherence. What do you have for that? I uh, I gave that one a nine. Um, 
I'm thinking of going higher. I, I kind of want to see what you say. Um, I I got a little mixed up sometimes, and it might have just been me, but a lot of the editing felt a little confusing. But it might have just been that it was a large story with a lot of characters, and I'm dumb. <laughs> so, kind of like to see what you say. Well, I gave it a seven and a half. Okay. I think with the help of not having an editor, um, mm -hmm. Marty makes this more accessible and coherent than the aviator. <laughs> yeah. Because basically they gave him kind of carte blanche, which they didn't give him for the aviator, which was, I, I think, a, a much more confusing. Yeah. Um, but even with the long run time, I still found myself being like, oh, I guess some time has passed. Yeah. They have a kid now. No, yeah. wait, several kids. Byron's married. Wait, no, he's not. He's fucking Anna. And assaulting the maid. It yep. felt very jumpy and hard to follow at times. Yeah. And I mean, I followed it, but it definitely seemed like things could have been explained a little better. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd also like to have some context on the length of time between murders. Yeah. It's not terrible, yeah. but it's just not, I just didn't find it the most coherent thing ever. So I can see that. So I was thinking of going higher if you went higher. So I'm going to leave it at nine since yeah. you did not go higher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't just me who found who felt a little bit again not like this is so confusing i can't follow this but like you know there were some things where like you said it was like um, I, I wasn't sure what was going on but anyway yeah and i get that like you have a certain amount of time to do things and everything and i just you know i just I feel like you could have thrown in a couple pieces of dialogue or even just a, a placard you know mm -hmm. to yeah. let you know where we're at in the story um but anyway, so the next category is cinematography, and I gave that a nine. Um, yes, Marty, I like to see you using some old-timey stuff to relate the times <laughs> we're in. Um, without that being the cinematography, cinematography for the movie, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, which we, we already discussed, but I'm just saying, I did like that. I actually thought the cinematography was very gripping in this. Mm -hmm. um, they really use the framing of the camera to increase your emotion or just lingering on, on uh, like uncomfortability. It was mm -hmm. really well done. So I, I'm curious what you're going to say. Cause I'm, I'm maybe I'll bring it up some. Well, I gave it a nine, so you don't, you can bring it up if you want, <laughs> but no particular need on my account, but uh, I felt the same way. I really liked it. Um, several of the, I, I, I feel like Scorsese is more and, and the cinematographer he works with whose name I can't remember now. <laughs> so I guess it goes to show you what I know about cinematography um, are sort of less about like stunning still shots or anything like that as much as dynamic scenes that occur over several shots or maybe just one um, and there were several of several in this movie that I really loved um, we've talked about a couple of them so I'm not gonna spend too much time but like for instance the scene where um, Molly and Ernest are walking slowly through a crowd of people who are parting before them and looking at them when they're going up to Anna's body. Um, I love scenes like that. And this movie had a lot of them that made me really just like, Ooh, I love this makes me love movies or remember that I love movies the way that they're, they're putting the scene together. Um, yeah. That almost sounds like I should give it higher than a nine, but I think, I think nine is excellent and perfectly good. I agree. Well, so next is the score slash soundtrack. So what do you have for that? I I kind of hate this category. 
think I think you almost do too. I went. I gave it a ten. I don't fucking care. I I thought the score was perfect, and I absolutely could not imagine anything working better for this story and this the way it was told. So, well, I gave it an eight point seven five. That's that's also respectable. <laughs> I really enjoyed the score and the soundtrack. I I especially enjoyed when they would use Native American song to fill the space. Oh, I know. And provide the context and emotion of the scene mm-hmm. um there wasn't a ton of it that throughout though and the mm-hmm. score at times felt like i don't know forced sometimes mm-hmm. okay, it's, okay. Just, it's probably just a quibble but um because it was re- it really was very good but um yeah that's, that's that's where i came from on that i could see i could see with the force there were there were some parts where there was definitely like emotional thing happens here's some blues guitar you know like yeah it just felt very like Oh, we got it. You know, it's like well, I didn't need it. I didn't need I get, it. I get it. I get it. You could have been a little bit more subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next category is script structure and dialogue, and I gave that a nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Even though this was very long, mm-hmm. it actually felt right, mm-hmm. which is saying a lot. I think the mm-hmm. pacing was kind of perfect. And we talked about this actually already, but I mm-hmm. thought it was pretty awesome. I went into it thinking that the pacing would be annoying because of mm-hmm. re- researching the potent notables and everything, but I was pleasantly surprised with how engaging it was throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the dialogue was excellent, not perfect, but extremely good. I liked that they didn't try to give anyone super profound thoughts. Yeah. They let them live on the screen and it felt oh, yeah. very real that way. So absolutely. I'm curious what you have though. I gave it a 9.75. I felt very similarly. Um, uh, like you said, with the dialogue, I love that. It almost it almost took King's advice, some somewhat, where it let characters exist without having to say things constantly. Um, yeah. Like for instance, Molly, she got away with just looks the way she would look at people would say everything, and uh, I like that the script the, the the dialogue didn't force itself to like like you said be profound or anything. It just let itself exist, and I liked. I thought it was put together. I thought it was structured perfectly, basically. Um, like you said, the uh, you know, and I, like again, I knew that nine and the three nine and a half. I thought that I knew that three and a half hours was passing, but at the same time, I didn't mind because it felt like the story deserved it the way it was being put together. Yeah, I agree. That's a good way to like, put it. It's like this movie's earning its three and a half hours, mm-hmm. unlike some. <laughs> unlike some, yeah. On <laughs> <laughs> some pl- airplane-based movies. um all right well so the next category is character relatability so what do you have for that well character relatability is kind of a fun one right because hopefully you don't yeah no kidding but it did it did do it did give an excellent portrait of these people even the evil ones because there are people who obviously there are people who do this and that those guys did that (laughs) this is a real story and i like the way it didn't try to i didn't give a score did i yet (laughs) no you didn't but that's okay um i gave it a nine I, uh, you know what? I'm actually going to go higher. I'm going to give it a, a nine and a half. Um, I love the way that the, it didn't, it didn't like try to explain why these characters are evil. Yeah. It just sort of gave you, this is, this is what these characters were like, and this is what they did. This was and, their motivation. And yeah. This is and and we're not going to, we're not going to get deep into like what caused them to be like this. They just are. And at the same time, it, it gave, it gave so many of the other characters who were not evil, most of whom were Osage. Um, it gave them time to breathe and time to be to to be understandable people who you can see where they're coming from too. 
Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was excellent in that way. Yeah, I gave it a nine point two five. Okay. Um, it's a very much a character movie. Yeah. Right. So. Um, yeah, it's three and a half hours. You'd think it'd be a lot of plot, but it's a lot of it's it's a lot of character development, and you yeah. think that that would be boring, but like we said, it really wasn't. Uh-huh. Um, so this category is hard because our, you know, as you said, our main focus is on such reprehensible people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, though, I do believe that this movie did a good job of building up an understanding and realism with all mm-hmm. of the characters in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a hard time with Molly being relatable toward the end, cause, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was accurate. But Jesus, I just wanted her to leave that man. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. I mean, it was well done. Uh, but the next category is production value, and I gave that a nine point seven five. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, as usual, the Martin Scorsese film, the production value is amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? I love that he filmed in Oklahoma, so you really get a sense of the land they were battling over. Uh, the only piece of this I had trouble with was the random area where they were making moonshine, I guess. Yeah. It just, it just felt very set up, you know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. It just felt out of place. Um, again, it's just a quibble, but it makes it so it's not perfect to me. So mm-hmm. what do you have? I gave it a nine and a half. I feel very similarly. Um, keep saying that, but uh, <laughs> it felt it felt it felt extremely real and lived in, like this was actually the place. Um, every everything looked true to life, and like I just said, lived in. Um, not sure why I didn't go higher, but nine and a half it is. <laughs> All right. Well, the next category is the last category. It is timelessness. So, what do you have there? I gave Timelessness a 9, which is a pretty high Timelessness score for me, especially for a new movie. But um, this feels to me like it deserves, at the very least, to be remembered, believe it or not, as one of Scorsese's best, and as, like I said, one of Robert De Niro's best performances, as a revelatory performance for Lily Gladstone, who almost went into a different career, it turns out, until (laughs) Martin Scorsese cold-zoomed her. Is that what they call it? (laughs) <laughs> Hello, it's Martin Scorsese on the line. Um, and uh, and it's like it's telling a story that we didn't really. I mean, I know that apparently a movie was made about it as it was happening practically, but nobody sees that. And an extremely important story that um, you know everyone should learn about, basically. So, like, I, I feel like it. I don't know if it's going to be. I'm not trying to predict here, but I feel like it deserves to be very timeless and remembered for years to come. Well, I gave it a 10. Okay, so you basically agree, right? Yep. (laughs) Um, I actually think this movie will be considered timeless. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. There have been many movies that have discussed the European decimation of Native American land, persons, and culture, but Mm -hmm. they all tend to show it through the point of view of some benevolent white man, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like like, uh, Dances with Wolves? Right, like Dances with Wolves, although, yeah, I mean... It's not because he doesn't come and save them, you know. That's true. He actually, you know, he, he becomes like a, a a detriment to them. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. We're in, um, doing the movie in the way Marty did really puts into perspective how duplicitous white people were, while uh-huh. also being able to do that because everything was heavily tilted in their favor. Everything was heavily tilted in their favor, and they 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 thought that they yeah were better. You know, these people yeah. are beneath us. We can do what we want to them. Yeah. 
I think they'll be looking at this movie for decades and pointing to it as a turning point in the way that we handle our history. Oh my gosh, that's a that's a wonderful point you make. But you know, maybe I'm wrong. But regardless if I'm wrong or not, I I love what Scorsese did here. Yeah. I am I am so interested to see if this beats Oppenheimer. It did. It did? Yep, by one and a half points. Oh. That is funny. I I feel like I liked Oppenheimer better. That's what I, I was thinking too, but apparently I don't know. There were so many there are so many things in this. You know what? There were so many um individual things in this I liked so much. As a whole, I think I liked Oppenheimer better, but I can see how the individual parts of this movie that I loved would add up to slightly better score and just right. slightly slightly better, you know? Well, it's interesting because so I don't know if you want to know this or not, but mine was a point lower than Oppenheimer. Okay. okay. And yours like, was three points higher than Oppenheimer. Three points higher than Oppenheimer. That is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like I said, I feel like I liked Oppenheimer better, but I liked so many things about this. Like I like I was sitting there going, I fucking love movies where actors are acting and we just get scenes of them together. And I could I could have watched these guys act all day. So Yeah. And I should correct it. Yours was two and a half points higher. So, well, so that's still kind of considerable. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. But now Killers of the Flower Moon is like the the best movie of all time, according to us. So <laughs> well, well, both of us think that it's you know going to go down in history as an excellent as you know one of the great movies i don't know i don't know yeah. best all time but it's uh it's saying a lot i think that this is actually um scorsese's best movie since goodfellas so yeah i don't disagree with that at all actually i mean he's made a lot of good i movies, mean so. i haven't seen the departed or the irishman in a while um yeah me too um and I, you know or any of a lot of his other the most recent one i saw was the aviator yeah which was not his best one <laughs> It's not it's not a all-time great there. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. So now you know um I, I so far pretty good year for films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, we haven't even gotten to a couple others that were bumped somewhat big. I don't know if you heard. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what our next one's going to be. Um you know, I don't want to I don't want to do any suppositions on here because uh, hopefully you're listening to this and you already know what the nominees are. And um, but you know we'll we'll keep doing them as we as we think that uh, they'll be nominated and we'll put them out if they actually are and maybe if if they aren't nominated we'll do them as a bonus episode or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, thanks again for listening. If you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzach.com. But these episodes where we're ranking the current nominees before the actual telecast are special, so check out all the others besides this one and find out which one should win that coveted Best Picture Oscar. So goodbye. And time to kill the conversation. But no worries, we'll murder some more fun next time. I hope you don't call them that to their faces. <laughs> hey, hey, one of my children, come here. <laughs> you. Which one are you? You're like Walter Frey. You can't remember who any of his grandkids are.